four guys in a comic. Charge up your rings. Here's your lantern core. Red, Rusty, Tap, and Nova. Now raise your lanterns for today's special guest, Ron Mars. All right, everyone. We welcome you back to another podcast. And today we have a very special guest, Mr. Ron Mars. Ron, how are you doing? I'm well. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank hey, you. thanks for joining us. Yeah, man. thanks for joining. Appreciate your t- taking the time yeah. with us. Our pleasure. So, for all people out there that do not know who you are, why don't you give us a, a quick breakdown about what you've done and uh, who you are in comics? How can anybody not know who Ron is? Yeah, I know, no, right? right? Yeah. Legend in the industry. Yeah, I mean, truth, truthfully, if they didn't, if they don't know who I am, what the hell are they doing listening? <laughs> um, <laughs> Maybe they're a younger person. I don't know. Yeah. That's 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 like having time on your hands that I can't imagine. Uh, uh, I write comics. That's the short version. Uh, I've written comics for twenty five years now. Um, I uh, I intend to keep writing comics because I don't want to get a real job. Uh, and I've written. You know, I started my career with Silver Surfer. I've written Green Lantern and Switchblade and Star Wars and. Uh, Lots of flavors of different things for different places. I, first of all, I love your Green Lantern run. It was amazing. We were actually just talking about it before you came on. Um, specifically, obviously, Emerald Twilight is the one that you're you know, obviously most well-known for in that run. But we were just saying like how well it was written and how in the beginning of uh, that series where uh, Hal is like having the conversation with his dad and stuff in the Recreate City, how like it seriously made me just like tear up. Like It was just so well written and amazing and i know you got a lot of flack for that um which i don't understand because like i said i just went back and reread it again and it just just makes you like tear up it's just so well done first of all thank you for writing it but also like what kind of i don't know like uh flack i guess like why was people so mad about it like can you explain like the thought process that people had maybe did you understand what they were thinking because i don't um well, first, thanks. That's very kind of you to say. I appreciate it. Um, and uh, I, th- I think this might come as a shock, but sometimes people get pissed off about stuff that happens in comics. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. Yes. Um, look, any time you, you do something in a comic that changes the status quo, somebody somewhere gets pissed off. And the, the bigger the change, the more people get pissed off. It's just the, it's just the nature of the beast. Um, you know, the Emerald Twilight stuff was, um, you know, four to five years into my career. So I was still pretty early on in, in figuring out, uh, how this all worked and, and how I was to do my job. So it was an educational experience for me to go, Oh, wait, this, this is like, people really take this stuff more seriously than real life. So I, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, I'm kind of glad I had that experience earlier in my career because I, you know, it got it out of the way. It got it out of, out of my system because, you know, once you get death threats because of what you did to a person who doesn't exist, <laughs> um, you don't tend to take the whole thing very seriously anymore. Um, you, you know, you, you come to the conclusion that, that there's a segment of the audience that doesn't really, that, that takes, takes the whole thing way too seriously, that doesn't really grasp that these are, these are made up people and if you don't like the story, you can just go pick a different one to read. Um, so, so I knew that you know that the the Green Lantern fandom had a real serious um, 
you know, had a real serious bent to it, that there are people who really lived and breathed this stuff, second only to maybe uh, Legion of Superheroes fandom, which I think is even, and, and still today is probably even more vociferous about stuff. Um, but I didn't expect the, uh, I mean, I knew we were doing a controversial story, but I didn't expect it to, to reach the extent that it did. Um, you know, lesson learned, certainly. I don't regret any of it. Um, and I certainly, it's, it's my name on the book and I don't, um, you know, I don't shy away from saying, you know, it, yep, that's, that's my story. That's the story that I told. So if you want to blame somebody, blame me. Um, despite the fact that it was, you know, it was a decision that was made by DC editorial. I didn't go to DC and say, Hey, I'm going to write green lantern and here's what I'm going to do. Um, they, you know, they gave me an outline, of what they wanted Emerald Twilight to be. Um, and the outline was maybe a page and a half long. It wasn't hugely detailed, um, but it was definitely, you know, a, a decision made by the people that actually own the character, um, not by a freelance writer who came in and said, well, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to take one of your icon characters and, and make him into a bad guy. <laughs> now, Ron, I got two questions for you, kind of piggybacking off of what you just said. Now, now, you've met those parameters, and you met them really well. I mean, you wrote a beautiful story. But uh, since you've done that and all the flack that you've basically gotten from the readers, has that um, adjusted your approach in any way since then when accepting uh, um, writing offers from publishers? Um, no, not at all. I said at the time, I think I, I wrote a column for Wizard back when there was a, you know, an actual Wizard magazine. I know that, that probably seems... Uh, shocking to people who weren't around then that yeah wizard didn't just put on, they were great wizard didn't just put on conventions they they made magazines yeah actual paper <laughs> and, magazines and <laughs> um, you know i wrote a column for wizard that that basically said look i didn't you know i don't tell these stories for you i tell them for me mm-hmm. um i tell stories that i tell the kind of stories that i would like to read um because i'm the only person whose tastes i'm absolutely sure of so um, and of course, when I wrote that, you know, that pissed people off and I got, I got all sorts of grief for that, that, you know, how dare I say that, that I'm not, you know, I'm not your art monkey and I'm not here to dance for you. Um, that, that, you know, I, I had the temerity to say, well, you know, actually I just, I t- kind of tell the stories that I want to tell. I don't take the audience's concerns into account because that's not really my job. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if you, if you want to order something to your specifications, and have it delivered to you, go to a restaurant. That's what they're for. Um, that's, that's not the way comics work. The other thing I want to ask you, now this is not all too indifferent than what's been happening lately with uh, Captain America, uh, with Nick Spencer. Uh, similar um, situation. And I was just curious, would there be any kind of advice that you would give to Nick Spencer from going through the, this already yourself? Um, yeah, ignore people. <laughs> uh, do what you want to do. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, that's that's the only thing that you can do yeah. is you have to, you know, you have to tell the story that you want to tell, and you can't, you know, you can't uh, bow to the wishes of people screaming at you on the internet. Uh, certainly, when when Emerald Twilight happened, the internet was in its infancy. So if people wanted to scream at me, they couldn't find me on Twitter. Uh, they had to go to message boards and and. Uh, you know, wait for chat rooms to pop up where they could scream at me in person. But, um, so it's, it's, it's much more, uh, it's much more prolific now and it's much more personal, but the, the solution is the same. We just have to ignore people. Um, 
and and again, it's this is we're not talking about the majority of the audience either. You know, we're talking about a very vocal, a very vocal but very small segment of the audience that's losing its mind and and you know basically throwing a tantrum like a three year old um, because they, I guess, have never read a comic before. You know, if if people think Captain America is going to be an agent of Hydra from now until the end of time, um, I have Swampland in Florida to sell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Now, you mentioned that uh, Silver Surfer was sort of the start of your career. How did that uh, opportunity come about? Um, uh, I, I was and still am friends with Jim Starlin, uh, one of the great writer artists of, of uh, the medium at any point. Yeah. Uh, and Jim is actually the one who said, hey, do you want to, you know, do you want to try writing comics? And, you know, it's, it's not the sort of thing that, well, first of all, it's not the sort of thing you say no to, but it, it's honestly not the sort of thing that, that you ever think is going to be deposited at, at your doorstep because that's kind of like saying, hey, do you want to play third base for the Yankees? There are very few slots in this business for people to make a living. Um, you know, I think the rule of thumb is that uh, in general, there are, there are about the same number of people or maybe even fewer people making a full-time living in comics as there are in the NBA. So that gives you a sense of the, the, the scarcity of, of jobs in the business. Um, but obviously when I broke in, it was a much different time. Uh, it was uh, the early 90s and, and sales were just through the roof because of the speculator boom. And, um, and companies were just looking to fill as many pages as they could because whatever they put out sold. Um, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, and and lots, of, lots of bad, frankly, in the early 90s. Um, so I was a, I was a journalist at the time. I was friends with Jim and he said, you know, what do you think about writing comics? And I said, sure. So he showed me the ropes and I co-wrote a few gigs with him. Um, and then I don't know, within a year or so, maybe even less, uh, Jim had uh, decided to, to step away from surfer, which he was writing at the time. And, um, I'm sure with much arm twisting on his part, they handed the book to me. And um, that was my first monthly gig in comics, uh, and I've been doing it ever since. That's always the hey, how did you break into comics story that I have yeah. to tell at conventions <laughs> and towns? And you know, the short version of that story is I was friends with Jim Starlin, um, which is not it's the good story to have friends in high places. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's you know, comics. I, I I say in general, comics isn't who you know, but it's certainly who you've met. Uh, uh, it's an interpersonal business like everything else. Um, but you know, I, I sort of cringe when I have to tell the, how did you break in story? Because it's not of use to anybody else. Uh, um, you know, except for, I, I had to tell that story on a, on a panel one time and a, and a dude in the audience raised his hand and said, can you give me Jim Starlin's phone number? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh no. <clears throat> oh man. Yeah. They're out well, there consider you jim and other ron to be some of the uh big marvel cosmic greats for me and um you know you did surfer i think from what like issue 42 almost to like 100 uh my first one was 42 and then jim did a bunch i think i did i uh, maybe 48 with jim and then i took over at 51 and went straight through 100 right and so in that time period you, um, you know, you got to do your thing with Surfer and stuff. You even created a character, uh, Tyrant. Yep. 
Yeah, and then you actually brought Tyrant all the way into, um, what is it, Cosmic Powers, which was basically like his own little arc that was more focused so around him. Well, again, that was, you know, it was the early 90s, and every damn thing that companies put out sold a hell of a lot of copies, so they were interested in putting out as much as possible. So fairly early on in my uh, surfer run, the editor came to me and said, hey, we'd like a... You know, or I, I don't even know if he said that we'd like. He said we're we're doing this miniseries called Cosmic Powers. You're writing it, uh, and we need to get it done fast. So that's why that there were six issues. They were all double sized, and they were all drawn by uh, different artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were all drawn by different artists because they wanted to get them out as quickly as possible. Rather than have one guy do six issues, it's easier to have six guys do six issues. Were you excited though that you got to uh, see a character you created get? put on further was that like just your idea did you actually like the character tire in it um yeah it was kind of you know it's anytime you create something and it goes on to have a have more of a life uh than than you expected um it's it's pretty cool but you know i was i was so early in my career at that point that that i probably didn't appreciate it as much as i should have just because you know it just it was all sort of new and different to me and they come to you and say, hey, you know, this, this character you created is cool. Why don't you do a miniseries based around him? Um, you know, and you just sort of, I just sort of went, oh, well, well, of, of course we're going to do that. That's a great idea. It's one of those situations where you don't really see the forest for the trees. You don't see the whole, the, the, the big perspective of it. Now I can look back at it and go, well, that was kind of cool. I mean, all those issues just came out in a, in a big trade paperback. Um, and uh, it's kind of, it, although some of the stuff I look, I look back on it and some of it is kind of cringeworthy, there's still some stuff in there that, that's kind of cool and fun for me. It's like a little time capsule. Speaking, hey. of, speaking of creating characters, you and uh, Daryl Banks, if I remember correctly, gave us Kyle Rayner, who uh, is the Green Lantern that I grew up with and that I mostly read. Uh, so thank you for that, first of all. But, you know, like we mentioned earlier, you got sort of... Uh, people actually putting in effort to get mad at you over Emerald Twilight back in the 90s. Uh, what's it like now to, I'm sure, have people come up to you and thank you for Kyle Rayner and the character he's become? Um, you know, it, for one, it's very cool. I mean, thank you for, thank you for saying so. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have, have been a part of something that people responded to. One of the things that I hear fairly often uh, is that Kyle helped people either get into DC or get into comics in general, which, which, um, uh, is really kind of gratifying because you, you know, one of the purposes of, of doing that storyline and creating the character, uh, at least in my mind was to create a ground floor where people could, could hop on to, um, Green Lantern in specific and, and the DC universe as a whole. Um, it, it's a, was an entry level. It was an entry point for, um, for new readers, and it, it seems to have worked that way. Um, so it's you know it, it's very. Uh, on the one hand, it's really gratifying, and and obviously Kyle still holds a you know holds a special place in in my career. But you also you know you also realize that you, it's not really yours. Um, yes, Daryl and I created this character. We, we pretty much created him from whole cloth. DC didn't really tell us what to do with them beyond, you know, they wanted to maintain a male lead in the book and they wanted to maintain 
an earth male lead in the book because uh, we asked, could we, you know, can it be a woman and can it be an alien? They said, no, we prefer that, you know, we, we stay with a male lead for the title. Other than that, they just kind of let us make it up as we as we went, which um, certainly in retrospect, in, in the way things are done now editorially um, at publishers, you would never get that. Um, you would never get that kind of freedom. Uh, they would, they, there would be a lot more editorial control now because these are multi-billion-dollar franchises. Uh, if they if they get translated to other media, um, so there's a lot more editorial control over over how all this works these days. So, I, I, in a lot of ways, I look back on Kyle as one of the last uh, instances where creators got to create without a great deal of editorial input. The, you know, we certainly had an editor and Kevin Dooley who was looking over our shoulders, but we were given a lot of rope to do what we did. Well, speaking of editorial freedom and given that rope, now you, you've done uh, quite a few issues of Witchblade right. with, um, working with uh, Matt Hawkins over in uh, Top Cow. Did you get a lot of freedom in there? Yeah, oh, yeah, a, a huge amount of freedom. They, um, uh, that's was certainly one of the attractions to, to, uh, to working for um, Top Cow in general and, and specifically on, on Witchblade, they, you know, they just kind of trusted me to, to do my job. Um, um, and that's not terribly uh, usual anymore. You usually, there are usually more fingers in your pie than, uh, than that. But, um, you know, when I took over the, when they offered me the book and, um, and I said, well, look, I, have honestly never read an issue of which played my life. I know what it's about, but I don't know specifics. Please, please send me some books. And they sent me a big box of everything that had been published up to that point. And, uh, I went through the box and, and got back to him and said, um, uh, said to Jim McLaughlin, who was the editor in chief at the time, I said, look, if, if you guys want, um, stories that are an excuse for her clothes to fall off, I'm not, the guy that you want to do this because that's not where my interest lies. Um, if you're okay with doing character driven stuff that tries to flesh her out into a more of a three dimensional character and, you know, build an inner life and more of a, you know, more of a supporting cast around her and, and kind of um, make people care about her as a character, whatever she's wearing, let's give it a try. And, um, and they said, Sure, do what you know, go do what you do. Uh, and, and that was the last time we discussed it. And I wrote the book for maybe 10 years. Um, yeah, yeah, like there, was never, run. there was there was never a uh, there was never an issue, uh, there was never a, an issue about hey, she needs to be wearing a metal bikini more. Um, you know, so that fairly early on, we got rid of that and and we tried to tell the the stories that, um, again, you, you tell the stories that you would want to read uh, if you were buying the book on the stands every month. Very cool approach. Um, kind of discussing like character creations and, and things like that. And you said previously, you know, going to a different medium. Um, there's been rumors that uh, DC is looking at making a Green Lantern Corpse movie and it's going to be Hal John, and then the third Lantern is rumored to be Kyle Rayner. Um, if this were to come to light, how do you feel about one of your creations coming to life on the silver screen? 
that would obviously be awesome. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's obviously, you know, way above my pay grade. I have no idea if the rumors are true. I have no idea if they're even discussing it. Um, I hope it's true and it would be great. But other than that, I'm just a, you know, I'm just a spectator like everybody else. Now, um, most recently you did a bunch of convergence stuff for DC. What can you tell us about any projects that you're working on or, uh, what, what's new in the world of Ron Mars writing? We had a baby horse like a month ago, but that's probably not what you guys mean, right? That's so cool. <laughs> that's so cool. That's, that's kind yeah, so cool. what's the full's uh, name? What's the full's name? Uh, the foal's name is Ripley because oh. she was born on Aliens Day. Yes. <laughs> oh, awesome. We had no idea what the name was going to be, and she showed up on uh, 426. So uh, I actually talked my wife into naming her Ripley. Very cool. Um, so as far as work, there's a bunch of different there's a bunch of different irons in the fire. Some of which I can talk about, some of which I can't talk about. Um, let's see, we're on a little bit of a break from uh, Skylanders books for IDW, which are um, based on the video game franchise. My kids uh, love those, I, by the way. Thank you. Uh, thank you. We love your kids. Uh, <laughs> I worked on, uh, uh, I worked on um, the Skylanders. Your swap force game uh, because the developer is local to me. Uh, so I actually wrote part of that game. And then when the, the comic license landed at IDW, they, they got in touch and we worked out a deal. So we're on a little bit of break for that, but uh, there, there should be news soon. He said, making sure he doesn't get in trouble with his publisher uh, <laughs> about more Skylanders. Um we are also, I'm doing some stuff for, uh, for Graphic India. I'm doing some stuff uh, for a company called Magic Leap in Florida, which is a, uh, I guess most people would call it a virtual reality company, but it's really uh, cinematic reality, um, none of which has been uh, released yet. Uh, I'm doing stuff for uh, Athleta Comics, which is a company that, uh, the former NFL player Israel Adonijah founded, um, and we just put out our first trade with uh, characters called the Protectors. Uh, that is a story that I did with uh, Barbara Sears for Athleta, uh, and I'm uh, I am the editor in chief of the newly relaunched Ominous Press, which is. Uh, a publishing company that uh, Bart Sears actually had in the '90s, flourished for about year and a half, two years, and then the market crashed and took all of the small publishers with it. Uh, so we are, uh, we're relaunching some of the titles. Uh, our first preview book will be out at uh, Heroes Convention in Charlotte this coming weekend. Oh, awesome. You're keeping busy. And yeah, various and sundry other things that haven't been announced yet. But um, So yeah, there's, it's enough to you know, keep me in the house every day. That's cool. I've been meaning to ask you. Now, you've done a series of the what if books, and I was always curious would you like to go back to those? Would there be anything that you would love to put out for the what ifs? Not a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Truthfully, the the what if stuff, you know, I did that stuff early in my career. Mm hmm. And and a lot of it was, well, part of it was that the the what if books uh, were in the same editorial office as Silver Surfer. So when the editor needed to fill slots, I was one of the guys he called. Um, But, you know, even more than that, the what if books at that time at Marvel uh, were kind of a proving ground. That's where you cut your teeth as a writer or penciler. Um, You know, it was it was a different team. Every issue 
different scenario every issue and um you know that was that was a proving ground for people to to um show marvel they could they could uh move up the chain and do some better work there aren't there aren't a lot of those gigs in comics anymore where where people kind of get to uh you know get these ground these ground floor jobs to uh to break into the industry now now you know smaller publishers have kind of taken on that role where you're 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 doing your your break in work at other publishers and then and then uh bigger publishers call you up uh so you know the god's honest truth is the those those what if issues were kind of um uh busy work mm-hmm. at least for the publisher and i was i was happy to do them at the time uh because you know every Every gig was a paying gig, and um, it it helped you learn more about your craft. And I think certainly the fact that most of those issues were one and dones, it taught you how to how to tell a story with a beginning, a middle, and an end in twenty two pages, which uh, which is frankly a pretty valuable skill. You had to you know you had to tell a complete story in a, in in one issue. A lot of those what if issues would probably you know, blow up in the six issue miniseries now, but, uh, you know, I, I, I can't say I, you know, to me, they were kind of silly in a lot of ways because they were imaginary stories about imaginary stories. But yet I realized there's, there's like a hardcore fandom for, for what ifs that, that, you know, I'll go to shows and I'll have people bring up every one of my what if issues. Cause there's a segment of the audience that really digs those yeah. stories that are, you know, about, well, what if, you know, they're almost kind of choose your own adventure stuff. You know, what if you go left instead of right? I don't have a yearning to tell any more stories like that, but I certainly appreciated them at the time. Very cool. So you've written and worked with so many characters from so many different companies and comics over the years. Is there a uh, comic character that you, I guess would like to go back and revisit if you could or rewrite for, you know, I, I I've had the chance with, Marvel versus DC and all access. And, you know, I've played in both playgrounds at Marvel and DC. So I've had a chance to, to at least get my hands on most of the characters for a little while here and there. Um, so I, you know, there's, there's not a, there's not a long list of characters like, Oh, if I, I've never been, been able to write, you know, whoever, uh, and and feel like I you know my career won't be complete until I can get my hands on it. I, I, there are like odd characters that I would love to do more with, like Doctor Strange or Doctor Fate. Have always been characters that I always really dug um, that never seemed to last very long commercially in the market. If I had to pick one character, if you said you know what's what's the one monthly book you want to do, if I had to pick one, I would say Tarzan. Uh, just because I've always, I've been a Tarzan fan since a kid. I'm a huge Edgar Rice Burroughs fan. Um, I got to do a run on John Carter and Mars for for Dynamite, which was, you know, like a, literally an eleven, the dream of my eleven year old self self come true. Um, and I still have that. I still have that itch to scratch with Tarzan. I'd love to do a Tarzan monthly at some point. I'm going back to that eleven year old kid. What was the first comic that you remember reading? What was the comic that got you hooked? Into to get to wanting to be in this industry, um, I don't remember the like the first comic I ever read because I uh, I do remember discovering a box of old comics in the basement that my my brother my older brother had, mm-hmm. um, and they were you know they were like old comics like 
like old classic Marvel comics. So old Kirby stuff and um, FF issues and Spider-Man issues and Avengers issues. And I, I think I was probably actually even too young to read uh, at that point. I mean, I couldn't have been more than like four. Uh, so I remember paging through them and looking at the pictures and being like really weirded out by the, all the Kirby stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that just, you know, to my four-year-old eyes, that was like creepy and scary stuff, but I kept going back to it. Um, so I, you know, I read comics as a kid, but I think the first comic that, um, had a, had a big impression on me, uh, was when I kind of rediscovered comics later on, uh, you know, in I, maybe it was high school, I guess, I guess, yeah, it must've been high school. And I, I remember two in particular, which was the, um, the, the X-Men new teen Titans crossover that, um, Walt Simonson drew, I, I came across that at a like an antique show in a mall. There was like you know a box of comics on a you know, on a uh, on a table with you know people selling crap from the fifties and sixties that people threw out, and you know now it's on a table with a price tag on it. So there was this box of comics, and I saw that, and I was like, "Well, wait a minute! One's Marvel and one's DC, and how's that even possible?" Um, so I can remember picking that up, uh, and then. Right around the same time, uh, Thor 337 came out, which is the first Beta Ray Bill issue, the first Simonson Thor issue. And I can remember picking that off the spinner rack. I just happened to notice it in a, in like a, uh, you know, like an AMPM or a, or a 7 Eleven or whatever it was. And something about that cover jumped out at me, and I hadn't really looked at comics for, for, you know, a number of years. And that, that cover, just said you have to buy me, so I did, and I I read the issue and I was hooked, and um, and then not long after, uh, Watchmen and Dark Knight Returns came out, and that kind of sealed the deal. Um, speaking of crossovers, uh, just out of curiosity, because um, I'd never read them, and you know, there's I've seen a lot of these, the Dark Horse and DC Comics crossovers. Um, were these? I mean, you got to write Tarzan in one of them, even with the Batman Tarzan crossover. Uh, what was it like? Were you approached? Did you go to Dark Horse and pitch these, or um, how did that come about? Um, I think the first one we did was Batman Aliens, um, and that one we just—I I happened to be uh, coming home from somewhere with with Bernie Wrightson, um, who was and is a good friend as well. And actually, Bernie lived um, just down the road from me uh, at the time. Uh, we, we literally, we, we found the house that we bought when we were first married because we knew Bernie and we're on this, you know, would like go to parties at his house and we saw a house being built, um, and eventually bought that house, uh, like a mile and a half down the road from him. And, and I, I, I don't remember where we were coming back from, but Bernie and I were just talking in his car about, Hey, you know, it'd be cool. Batman aliens would be cool. And it was, and it was, you know, not something that we thought would ever really happen. And, uh, you know, it was, it's, it's more like, Hey, this, you know, this would be cool thinking, yeah, it'd be cool, but nobody would ever approve it. Um, and we ended up, uh, contacting dark horse that had, you know, which at the time and, and still does years later, the aliens license and talked to, um, Bob Shrek, who was at, uh, dark horse at the time and would later move to DC uh, and said, Hey, Bernie made the call and said, 
you think Batman Aliens would ever get approved because obviously the, the relationships between the, the publishers were, were pretty good at that point. Uh, and they were more open to that kind of thing. And, you know, neither of us expected to actually get it approved. And Shrek called us back, you know, a few weeks later and said, yeah, they went for it. When can you guys start? Uh, and, and to a certain extent, uh, I, I think that started some of the, um, some of the relationship between Dark Horse and, and DC uh, to do those kinds of stories. I, obviously, I, I don't know if we were the first one, but it, it sold well enough that uh, that there was a sequel that we weren't involved in, but I ended up doing Batman Aliens, uh, Batman Aliens, Batman Tarzan. We did Green Lantern Aliens, um, uh, which was, again, one that... Green Lantern Aliens was one that... Um, we proposed and didn't go anywhere. Uh, and then, uh, like four months later, my editor at dark horse called me up and said, when are you going to start on this? And I said, what, what do you mean this? What, what are we doing? He's like, green lantern aliens. You, you proposed it. Right. And I'm like, yeah, but you guys never said, okay. So I just figured we weren't doing it. It surprisingly was generated by creators more than it was editorial. At least at that point, companies were a little bit more open to that kind of stuff. So it was really, more creator driven than company driven, at least initially, uh, with us going to, um, one publisher or the other and saying, Hey, how about we do this? Uh, and more often than not, they got approved, uh, just because, uh, I think the publishers, uh, saw that, okay, well, this was a way that, that, you know, both publishers could make a little money. And usually there was, there was some kind of sequel involved so that the other, uh, the other company would get some sort of editorial project in its lap as well. Um, you know, when we did um, Batman Tarzan, not long after, uh, which which came out th- through Dark Horse, I think, uh, not long after uh, Superman Tarzan came out, uh, which I think Chuck Dixon did. So there was always kind of one for one company, one for the other. Uh, and unfortunately, it doesn't doesn't happen quite as often as anymore. But um, I'm starting to see a few more crossovers, which which generally means that the publishers are hurting a little bit in the pocketbook, and they they always feel they always feel more kindly towards one another when when it's like shared risk, shared reward. Yeah, yeah. makes sense. Well, one of the last questions that I think I have for you for the night then is what is in your short box? What is it that you personally like to read? Um, I like comics, man. Uh, I, I like comics, but I don't have enough time to read it, all the ones that I want. Um, I, just, there's a lot of good stuff out there. The pile on the coffee table in my office continues to grow. It's, what would you say the top issue from each publisher would be for yourself? Um, well, I guess that remains to be seen from DC right now, right? Because, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Uh, it's, it's all new. Like, like I, you know, I tend to, I'll, I read the stuff that my friends work on. Certainly I tend to, uh, to like for Marvel, I'll read, uh, the stuff that Jason Aaron is doing. Uh, Dr. Strange is a lot of fun. Thor is a lot of fun, yes. but more often than not, I'll pick this. I'll end up reading the stuff in trades because I don't have the time to get to the store every week. Uh, or read the stuff on a monthly basis when it comes out. So I'll I'll find myself playing catch up a lot. You know, I read. I think my favorite thing to read right now is uh, is Ragnarok by Simonson from IDW, which is just a great looking, great reading book. 
Um, that's that's one of the things that I keep up with monthly. Um, uh, as of two weeks ago, my answer would have been Hellboy, but now that uh, Mike's put a put a period on the end of that sentence, uh, you know, I'll uh, I have to find something else. Uh, but I think it's it's awesome that he's able to uh, bring that story to a conclusion as he sees fit. One of the great positives of creator owned books. And frankly, I tend to read a lot more creator owned books than, than company owned books these days, just because there's such a plethora of terrific creator owned material out there. Um, and, you know, and truthfully, those are, those are the books of my own that are, always nearest and dearest to, or the, you know, it's the ones that you bring into the world and that at the end of the day, you, you end up owning. Um, I think probably most creators would tell you the same thing. It's, you know, doing uh, work for hire stuff for, for whatever company is certainly great. And, and like I said, it's, it's much better than having a real job. Uh, I, you know, I get to sit here and, you know, make up stuff and people pay me for it. Uh, but at the end of the day, the most satisfaction you get is doing creator own stuff. So, um, I just wanted to confirm if people are looking for new Ron Mars stuff to read, um, ominous press will be the place to go in the coming future, right? <clears throat> ominous press in the, in, yeah, ominous press, uh, they just, and just follow me on Twitter. That's where, um, Absolutely. you know, that's where stuff gets announced. And, and at, at some point I'll, I'll actually update my website and get that. Uh, get that that rolling but um you know the the uh, as a writer you can uh you can you can juggle stuff you're 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 constantly doing four or five different projects uh and it just is a matter of when you know when they're released i mean some stuff that i've you know some stuff that i wrote last year probably won't even see the light of day until late this year or maybe even early next year um uh Artists are, you know, artists can basically do one thing at a time, uh, just because of the, the the timeliness of what uh, what their job is. Um, but being a writer in this business means you're constantly uh, juggling back and forth from uh, from one gig to the next. Perfect. Thank you very yes. much again. Thank you very it's much. It's a pleasure having you. And I know Rusty's trying really hard to remain calm, but he's geeking out so hard on the inside. His birthday's on Tuesday, so he was very ecstatic to be able to talk to you. Like this is like his birthday gift from us. So Yeah. Uh, I am so, so I'm ahead. I'm I'm basically the chick that hops out of the cake for Rusty. Yes. Yeah. That is yeah. exactly yeah. it. That is exactly uh, it. everyone here we are with four guys in a comic reviews where we each pull a comic out of our short boxes to discuss the pros the cons what we loved what we hated and to start it off tonight i'll go ahead and go how does that sound guys sure so no. as every no okay fine you go <laughs> i said no you go, I said, no. <laughs> well it's all good well as we all know here being the image fan i'm going to be talking about an image title today have any of you guys read tokyo ghost I have not. Oh, yeah. What? Okay, no, but I've heard that it's really good. Oh, you haven't, Rusty? You haven't read an image title? What a surprise. Know, right? What a surprise. <laughs> First time for everything, I guess. So, Nova, you've read Tokyo Ghost. Yeah. What were your thoughts on it before I even started? Uh, see, I'm a big Rick Remender fan, but yep. 
love Sean Murphy. The art in every issue is just unbelievable. It's mm-hmm. spectacular. But uh, the series overall kind of left me wanting. Yeah. Um, just compared to like Deadly Class and Black Science, it wasn't uh, on that level for me, but still good. Now, you know, I've been listening to the chat rooms, you know, I've been here people mentioning Tokyo Ghost, and okay, image title, you know. I was at one of the comic shops one day, and I was picking up some image titles, and this guy uh, in the store was um, a customer. He's like, oh, you like image too? I'm like, of course. He's like, have you read Tokyo Ghost? I'm like, no, I've heard about it. He's like, oh, pick it up, man, pick it up. You'll love it. So I went ahead, I picked up uh, six issues of it, and I got through the first issue, and I say, I'll be honest, I love Rick, but I did not like this issue. I it was the art was was good. There's a lot of detail into the art, but the storyline itself to me was lacking. To me, it reminds me of arcade in Murder World. That's the best way to describe it, in my opinion. Really? Set in the future. To, and you know you have no introduction to it. The comic just starts right off, and you really have no idea what it's about. And the storyline, you know, was kind of lacking in my opinion. You have this female police officer, and in a civilization that's just pretty messed up. You know, throughout the comic, you see advertisements for strap-on dildos to a mother a, think of this an overweight mother talking to her daughter in a recliner with an IV bag filled with pizza flavored IV with a strap on that's automatic a automatic pooper uh, removal system with uh, nipple clamps for as stimulators I mean it was so just like toe wrote it yeah it was just some really <laughs> oh my god yeah that, oh, who, wait what yeah. What was the name yeah. of this? Wait, what was this again? It's called Tokyo Ghost. I don't okay. think I want to read this. After you know, that. you have you have an epi- you have an issue. You know, that got this big, overweight guy coming out of, you know, naked out of a, a, a Greekish type of pool where it got a bunch of young gals bathing him nude. As soon as he gets out, they all start drinking the water, and it's just just really off the wall things, and. You know, and a lot of stuff in there that was kind of like taken from other stuff I saw. An example would be there's a short few panels about a guy who can uh, take your body, put nanites in it, and change your bone structure, your uh, muscular structure, and everything, and give you the exact body that you want, which was a lot like an episode of The Twilight Zone. Uh, then you have, like I say, you have this character which reminds me of Arcade. Um, but done up in a steampunk, uh, Borgish type of structure. You know, and then they, then I'm looking at one panel right now. You know, one of his goons goes out and says, "Cut off one person. I'm using for my illicit purposes, and two more people that with that same variety will spring forth in their place." Hydra. <laughs> it's just a lot of little things taken from other stuff, thrown together, and. For those of you that like Tokyo Ghost, more power to you. For me, I didn't enjoy it, other than the art. The story was lacking, and it really didn't live up to Rick's, you know, what did I say, grandiose style of writing, in my yeah. opinion. You know, and uh, so I'm going to put that out there. For me, this was two thumbs down. If you're looking for an image title to read, I say go find something else. <laughs> Yes. Oh, I know. I normally don't talk bad, especially about an image title, but I felt that it 
warranted this podcast. I just needed to let people know my true feelings on this issue. Sorry, Rick. Right. <laughs> and uh, Tokyo Tokyo Ghost has been a pretty mixed bag from from people who have read the book. Yeah, they either like it or they don't, uh, or love it and they don't, or they don't. But yeah, um, Rusty, what you got? Because me and Tap are we got a we're gonna have some quick fire <laughs> the afterbirth. <clears throat> yeah, so okay. Rusty. So, What's Adam Warlock up to this week? <laughs> uh, or Hyperion, or a Kung Fu Panda with a baby. <laughs> yeah. In, in pink. Okay, okay, okay. I'm actually taking it back this time. I'm going way Ooh. back, okay? We're going way back to a Stan and Jack comic, okay? And um, Fantastic Four 48, what is so oh. significant about it? Parents 48 Galactus, is the first first uh, Galactus. Yeah, and Surfer, right? Or was and that forty? Yeah, Surfer and Galactus. So, recently, I went back and I reread forty-eight and forty-nine. Okay, and it's been a long time since I've read either issue. And um, going back and reading it, I realized that a lot of things in it were kind of ridiculous. And I mean, but that's what you're gonna get with a comic that old, right, Red? Yeah, that is you're, true. You're gonna get kind of a ridiculous story. Yeah. It's kind of over the top, oh, yeah. but enjoyable at the same time. Yeah, enjoyable at the same time. But the story as a whole is like the introduction of you know Silver Surfer falling in falling to Earth and like scoping it out for Galactus as his herald. And uh, we don't know that at first. You know, he comes in and everything, and, he finds it. and then all of a sudden Galactus comes in after some Fantastic Four jokes and banter and whatnot, their usual stuff, and. um it's funny because, like, through the first issue, it's just, like, a total buildup of what is Galactus, what is Galactus. And then at the end of the issue, we see, we see Galactus for the first time, and he's not that menacing. He looks like a uh, Christmas ornament or something. <laughs> he is uh, red and green. He's not his purple self. He started out as red and green. I and didn't know that. You didn't know, yeah. You, yeah. if you get a chance, look up a picture of what he first looked like because he looks like a Christmas ornament. And um, you, you know, I love it all. I love it all. But it, it, the first issue just was, oh, woe is me. What is this? And yeah. the thing saying, hey, I'm going to clobber it, basically. You know, I mean, sometimes you have to go back to those classics, those first appearances, and the stuff back into the days of the '60s and those Silver Age, and to see what. It, was initially like before it really was changed to what we know today yeah definitely and and that's the thing the first issue you kind of had to like i I don't want to say it's a good comic it's very cool but it's point in that time it just felt like you know this is build up and it was like hurry up let's just get along and let's figure out what galactus is um i I probably never expected galactus at that time to be what it is today either exactly or surfer for that hand i mean oh yeah yeah it was just but, another story. It, it's a cool story, though. But the second story, 49, is where it gets interesting. Because, you know, Galactus comes to Earth. The thing tries to fight him. And it doesn't really work out very well for Ben. Um, he gets... They, they keep... The word that they keep mentioning, and it's between um, Johnny and um, Reed, is that he keeps saying, they, he keeps swatting us away like flies. This must be what a fly feels like. 
you know, I couldn't imagine just the power, the pure strength. Uh, (laughs) And they say it at least four times in the issue, three times. I I mean, I don't know if Stan was just stuck on it, if there was a fly bug in him or what, but he was liking to write about the flies. And um, what's ridiculous about the issue is, you know, Surfer gets, like, punched clear across the city by Ben, which is something that's weird. Um, Ben knocks the Silver Surfer out and clear across the city, and he falls into the home of Alicia Masters. And if you know, Alicia is Ben's honey Mm -hmm. thing, but quickly... Coincidental. (laughs) Very coincidental, but very quickly... Um, you kind of get this vibe from Alicia that she kind of is very interested in Warren Rad. And um, as they, you know, communicate and they interact, um, <laughs> she teaches him how to feel and what it <laughs> and, and how it what it feels like to um, have um, empathy and emotion. Forget and it's that. really very cheesy. But I mean, once again, 60s comic, you know. I, I mean, nowadays you don't picture Silver Surfer to be like that, but uh, no. back no. back then it, it was really something. He was just an emotionless. He was emotionless. The, the, yeah. the first two issues, he was just emotionless. And then that happened, and you know, you kind of felt it. And he, he felt bad for the humans because Galactus was going to drain the planet, and in detail, he was going to drain, turn the waters into pure energy and siphon all the water from Earth. And then from there, he would move on to all the objects and turning them into energy. And then slowly, he would turn his way to the planet itself where the human race would fall and all life as we know it would be gone. So there was an elaborate plan that they explained. And after Surfer figured out that he was going to help Alicia out, he was going to turn on Galactus for the first time. And everyone went crazy about this. And the Watcher wasn't expecting it. And if I haven't mentioned before, if you look at the Watcher in this picture, he's yoked. Like, mm-hmm. he is super huge. And, uh, I like, he, dude's been juicing. Okay? Yeah. And, um, yeah. Um, the Watcher won the Arnold Classic next. And then it was all <laughs> history from there. It was pumping yeah. iron. What? No. Um... Galact- he, he, Silver Surfer fights Galactus and he beats Galactus somehow by putting him in an energy cocoon and then he breaks out. Huge build up just for the Silver Surfer to talk Galactus out of it, destroying half the city and everything, giant, building a giant thing on top of the Baxter building. And there's a lot that happens in the issue, but I mean, it's pretty uneventful for what happens, uh, except for something that we know if you're a Silver Surfer fan is that in that issue uh, Silver Surfer is bound to Earth. He, there's like a, he's not allowed to roam the cosmos anymore. But at the end of the issue he decides he wants to explore Earth and uh, yeah. But it doesn't last very long because I, wait, no. I guess that's issue 50. I got into issue 50. Huh. Yeah, you did yeah. a little bit. I, I got into issue 50 a little bit. It's a little. My bad. Anyways, yeah. So I guess I'm doing all three. 48, 49, 50. Silver Surfer goes and explores the world. Galactus leaves him be. And then the beginning of vol- issue one, volume three, is you figure out how he gets off Earth. And then it, it's even more dumb. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's my uh, Fantastic Four review for today. Woo, three for Wild one. Stuff. Yeah. And I tell you, those are some of my favorite covers, too. Those, I just love yeah, they're so covers. cool, man. I wish they weren't so expensive now. So, I mean, I, oh, I know. They're, they're, they're like an arm and a leg. No, there's a 49 that I was going to pick up one time. It was on there. It was, you know, it was a reasonable price. Looked at it. You know, the cover wasn't too bad. You know, it was about a seven, seven and a half. 
opened it up, and one of the advertisements were cut out of it. <laughs> and, and the comic book store owner was like, oh, uh, 20 bucks? <laughs> I would have bought it for 20 I would have bought it for 20 still. Just I to passed. say you have it. Just to frame it. Yeah, yeah. you could just frame it. I'd be sure, ain't nobody going to open it then. And if someone does open it, you just tell them to politely stop by <laughs> slapping their hand away. <laughs> oh, wow. Lend it to your friend, and he was like, I didn't have a cutout when I gave it to you. <laughs> Whoa, what happened? Someone must have broke in here and cut out this advertisement. <laughs> Darn Good kids, and they're sure running with thieves. <laughs> so, what is going on in the afterbirth this week? There's a oh, lot. It, a it ton. is flooding. It is. Uh, I can't. I have a hard time even remembering it all. To be honest with you. Yeah. Well, let's get started. We're talking about afterbirth liquid stuff, so let's talk about Aquaman. Okay. Uh, so number one popped out. Wow. What am I saying? Uh, <laughs> Aquaman <laughs> came. Out. One popped, out. popped out. Yeah. Yeah. So issue issue yeah, one yeah. dropped. Oh, issue one dropped and. You know, I think we mentioned you and I tap that you know the rebirth issue was kind of yeah. it was okay. it was all right. It wasn't anything to like you know go and tell your friends about. Correct. But I thought this one sort of picked up, they especially did. near the end. It got it was like a page huge page turner, super page turner. Yeah, they definitely stepped their game up. Yeah, so there's basically just in like Aquaman number one in ten seconds. Uh, they're holding a little get together at the Atlantean Embassy on Earth. And uh, Black Manta shows up and sabotages the whole thing. That was really when it got cool. When they show like (laughs) they show this huge tidal wave and Mara's holding it back, and you just see Black Manta walking out of it, his eyes like glowing red. It was pretty. That was pretty cool. That was pretty epic. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Um, So yeah, let's uh, let's move on to from that. I'm I'm just looking on Comicsology in order here. Uh, So Action Comics, which coincidentally was dope that was fantastic it was it was um basically in 10 seconds you have superman and lex luther superman battling doomsday uh, and then there's clark kent and then <laughs> clark kent shows up and you still have no idea what the hell's going on yeah you still have no idea why new 52 clark kent's there is it really new 52 clark kent even jimmy olsen's like trying to call him out on it yeah, and New Fifty Two Clark, whoever he is, is seems to be confused by what yeah. Jimmy's talking about. But he's confused, but then at the same time, he's saying stuff like, "I had to do it." Yeah, I had to do it, it to survive. It's really weird. I don't know what's. Is he? Did he pretend to die to be able to be Clark? I don't even know. He Machiavellied I, himself, and I, uh, <laughs> I, I gotta say that Jurgens is coming up with this stuff on the spot because he's sort of. It just seems so. There's but so much it going on. Keeps me wanting to read more. Yeah. Oh, oh for sure. Also, they talk about Doomsday and our Superman that we know and love kept saying throughout the book, "This has to be the Doomsday from my Earth because yeah. he's like." He's a little bit faster and stronger, but, like, he feels the same. He blah, blah, blah. He, like, goes through all these things in the thought bubbles. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a fun read. And I never have have never been a fan of Superman, but, my God, Action Comics is a lot of fun right now. So good, yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, let's talk about Superman 1, uh, which also, which wasn't as good as Action Comics, I'd say. But I like the little thing they've got going on with uh, with Jonathan. Which is Superman's son, for those of you that don't know. Yes. Um, and basically what happened, I guess in 10 seconds or less, um, 
Jonathan sort of he had this like cute little cat and one day these birds picked up this cat and he's like no let go of my cat and he shot his laser eye beams and actually fried his cat doing so and it's a little it's a tragic little story but it's this kid getting getting used to these powers uh while his dad's out being you know superman and it's sort of uh it was the end the end was pretty cool it looks really interesting they show uh they show the trinity meeting yep and then at the very end it's superman goes into his son's room and he's like come with me and you're like oh what's it's like his first <laughs> yeah. mission what's gonna happen so yeah superman's yeah. been superman's been okay but action comics if you're wanting to read a superman story and you're wanting to be entertained go with action action comics yeah. has been phenomenal yeah for sure all right tap hit us up with the next one uh next one on my list i'm looking at here is flash number one all right um flash number one for me wasn't as good as the rebirth issue um it was still good i enjoyed it um i I do like the flash a lot but it wasn't as good um it's more just kind of like barry running through the city and randomly saving people well in the beginning yeah um at the end is when it does get good though um at the very end uh barry tries to go to like save this uh fellow csi or cop whatever he is um person from uh, a gunshot they say we are the black hole and then he shoots this gu- a bullet at this guy and barry's like no i'm gonna be too late no and he's like running and all of a sudden uh i guess you could say this person turns into or he gets somehow gets the speed force like the speed force hits him and it's like god speed yeah. is who they're hinting at uh they haven't come forth and said it but that's who they're getting at um is that there's gonna be a new speedster named Godspeed, and it turns out it looks like it's gonna be one of barry allen's like co-workers one of his uh, mates yeah one of his mates um <laughs> Also, another interesting thing that happened in Flash number one, real quick, was they introduced the the alternate universe Wally West, um, which was the Black Wally West. Um, so, for those of you that watch the Flash TV show, um, you kind of know what I'm referring to. Um, yeah, so they kind of introduced him as well. So now you got the two Wally Wests officially. You got the the Wally that we all know and love, and has come back through this time stream or whatever it is that he came back to to come back and then you also have this universe's wally west so i'm kind of interested to see how that plays out with two wally west yeah it'll be i'm excited it'll be interesting to see um but yeah so overall flash number one it was good um wasn't as good as the rebirth issue but it's still good i'm excited to see where it goes i think it's definitely picking up and it's it's just kind of building up right now i think so slow build Speaking of build-up, uh, Green Lanterns was, yes. wow, I really like that. So, 10 seconds or less, uh, Simon Baz, Jessica Cruz get an alert that there's some kind of alien, uh, unauthorized alien on Earth. So, they go to check out, and it's like this like super redneck house. Um, and they basically break in, take a guy down, and realize there's this uh, really weird alien with like all this blood dripping from it. And there's like a heartbeat sound going on. But what happens is... Um, this really weird red spire sort of i'm not even sure how it happened but uh basically the red lanterns are sort of like enraging other people or uh whenever they get near to this source of rage and uh basically this is this whole red dawn thing we've been hearing about the coolest part for me um was uh you see on like the third last page um where it's like 
Simon Baz, you have the ability to experience Emerald Sight. And I was like, oh, no kidding. That's sweet. So he can see into like the future, um, which is really cool. Um, that, that should be really exciting. Um, yeah, looking forward to that one. Green Lanterns is definitely one of my uh, top three uh, Rebirth titles right now. Um, another one that's actually kind of taken me by surprise and has actually been pretty decent this last issue was uh, uh, Green Arrow number one. Um, it's kind of going throughout and it's like, you know, uh, Oliver and M, his sister, whatever, and they're kind of battling all these guys. It's kind of like your standard story, nothing real exciting until the end. Um, what a cliffhanger, man. Yeah, yeah, big cliffhanger. Oh, Um, where, uh, well, spoiler alert, it's been out for a while, so if you haven't read it yet, it's your own fault. Uh, (laughs) Oliver's like in this, like, walks into like his apartment or whatever and all of a sudden he starts getting these arrows fired at him. And they actually hit him like he's getting shot with arrows and he's trying to fire back and he sees that the person shooting him with the arrows is actually Shadow. Uh so yep. he's kind of like Shadow like what the hell? And uh then he sees the sister and he's like "Am run." And she starts kind of shooting him with arrows as well. <laughs> yeah. And he's like what the fuck is going on right now? And yeah. uh so basically it ends with M looking at Shadow saying like mother what took you so long I've been waiting forever and yeah. Oliver Queen is laying on the floor bleeding to death with like six arrows stuck in him. Um yeah, and the the arc was ended with next issue the death of Oliver Queen. And so you're like wait 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 wait. He this is number 1 like this just started. <laughs> Where are we going yeah. with this? So, uh, Green Arrow, the Rebirth. I've never really been a big Green Arrow fan either, but once again, it's taking me by surprise. I'm really enjoying it. And him, him and Black Canary just got straight to the... Oh, uh, yeah, they did. They're I just they're just that. a thing, though. Yeah, they're, they just got straight into it. Uh, yep, no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Hot and heavy. Yep. Um, but yeah, let's talk about Titans real quick. It was kind okay. of a... Uh, kind of kind of titles really did you guys got? Oh, ten. There's, talk there's, about. there's a lot of titles Jeez. i'm telling okay, you you know what rusty i think huge. we i think we need to throw in a few more titles for each of us you know they're really taking away this podcast today <laughs> we're, we're going we're through making, them quick. hey we're keeping these really short i did yeah, three but, titles today thinking that this I was did gonna one. go through <laughs> one one yeah, let's do one each I'm of the segments you, rebirth is huge it's it's it's, it's a place yeah, to well, be i guess i guess the best thing to say is go out and read it yeah <laughs> Okay, fine. Let's just do. Let's just do one more. Let's All just right, do one so more. So the best one. Well, fuck. There's two though. But, uh, there's find one, two. There's there's Wonder two. Woman and. Uh, Things uh, we talk about. Yeah, Wonder Woman's a big one, and then well, Batman and Detective both. But I think Detective's more important. Yeah, Batman was. Batman's basically just a high speed chase, and then uh, yeah, Gotham but, and Gotham Girls show up. Yeah, and who the hell are they? We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. There you go. They had that weird moment where Bruce is Bruce is talking to Alfred. He's like, "Is this a a worthy death, Alfred?" Oh yeah, that was corny. That was, that was so this is really corny. weird. I was like, I don't know if he'd do that, but sure. I guess he's still that little kid inside who's like looking up to Alfred. Yeah, but anyway, like, yeah, so this is a worthy death. And I was like, all right, <laughs> sorry, Tom King. <laughs> no, but it was it was pretty cool. But yeah, um, I guess we could talk Wonder Woman because that was a pretty eerie. Uh, I thought it was. It had like a a, a mystique to it. The whole issue is kind of you know they 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 dealt with like um i guess these girls being s- slaves there's something crazy going on with steve trevor i can't wait to see what happens mm-hmm. there because he's like fighting warlords 
down in like Africa. Yeah, like gorillas. And Wonder Woman's just on this crazy, crazy. I don't even know what the crazy quest following like you know, journey. It's <laughs> so hey, is Dark weird. Side around yet? Not yet. No, no not yet. But man, Every Liam time you Sharp's mention Wonder Woman, I'm going to ask now. You're good. You're good. Not yet. No Dark Side not yet. yet. We'll let you know. That'll be the first thing we say for sure. Soul Journey. Oh, and Liam Sharp's art is off the hook. <laughs> it's amazing the amount of detail this guy puts in. Wow. But yeah, we find out last page it's a uh, cheetah. That Wonder Woman went to go find who I guess is sort of like a look like, a goddess thing going on like, right yeah. now. She's like worshipped so, by all these like things. That'll be interesting. But she looked nasty in that last page. Like Cheetah's yes. gone feral. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Um, I guess we could just talk about Detective now. Okay, last one, real quick. Detective Comics. Um, that's the one, obviously, where Batman and uh, uh, Batwoman are. Uh, trying to recruit all these people to be the new Robins, basically, and Clayface is involved, etc. And I think I figured out how they're going to do the Clayface thing. Remember how last one we were kind of joking around about him swinging yeah. on clay and stuff? Um, they gave him that... Uh, they gave him that little wrist thing, sort of like Nightcrawler uses when he wants to look like a person. And, and he said, like, can I keep this? I think I could go into, like interviews and stuff with yeah, this auditions thing and shit so yeah. i think that's how they're gonna play it off like that's how he's gonna swing from the rooftops is he's gonna have that thing on which like transforms it lets him keep his form as a human and then he can like go do that kind of stuff and then he just takes it off or whatever and clays out basically when yeah. uh, he needs to fight so i still they- vote for clay swing i i, 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 I agree they'll I have to clay do swing would be hilarious the other thing i want to mention is there's something there's something going on with the kane family yeah, because um, Batwoman and her dad have a talk that sort of you know doesn't sit well uh, as a reader. So yeah, that'll be interesting to see. But it ends with like uh, it ends with this army of like bat robots. They sort almost of. look like something out of the Arkham Knight video game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're like, uh, you know, we're gonna stop you either way. And it's like, like Batman just says, you us. can try. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure the next issue is just gonna be like a huge fight scene. Which I'm Hopefully. okay with. Oh yeah, with this with Eddie Barrows on art, yeah, bring it on. Yeah. So there you go, rebirth ten issues <laughs> Sorry, guys. in a nutshell. An hour and ten issues later. Hey, that yeah. was actually pretty short compared to our first afterbirth uh, segment. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, bottom line is rebirth has actually been a lot of fun. Go out and read rebirth. It's actually been a really really fun ride so far. Nothing bad at all. Oh. All right, time for our next segment. everyone you heard the music and that means we are going to continue on with our story in mad libs now i know y'all enjoy it and y'all know how it works i sent it out all the questions beforehand and let's jump back in to our story but before we do do any of y'all have any questions no um, sir no no We're on part all right three, right we are in part three of our story okay and previously on Mad Libs, we saw our heroes being captured by the mighty mustache. He used his amazing rubber hose power to secrete a gas that knocked our heroes unconscious. Hours later, Connor McCloud's swordsman and the blue-footed booby woman awaken in a dark warehouse. They try to move, but have discovered that metal bands and clasps 
have them stuck to different tables. Connor, are you okay? I can't move. It seems as though we have been strapped down to these tables. I can barely see anything in this dark room except for comic book Mylar bags. A blue-footed booby woman. I am okay. Reach out for the item. It is within grasp. If it isn't, try using your x-ray vision. (laughs) Maybe we could use it to escape these bonds. What the hell? (laughs) Blue-footed booby woman reaches out and is unable to grasp the comic book Mylar bags. So she tries to use her x-ray vision to grab it. Only to be stopped by the mighty mustaches henchman, yes. the hanker chief thief. Ha 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 ha, you pathetic heroes thought you could get away so easily? There is no escape from us and our organization. Our plan is going just as we planned. And now we may believe we have some use for you, too. You both may be thick and arrogant, but right <laughs> now you are bait and let's see if we get a bite. <laughs> Handkerchief Thief begins to walk over to a shelf with many tools on it and takes off two bandanas and a bolo hat. He then proceeds to blindfold our heroes. Suddenly, a large crashing noise echoes through the room. It sounds as if a fight has broken out between Handkerchief Thief and another person. I knew that this would work, but did not expect it to happen so soon. We have you now. Mustache, he is here. These are innocent heroes. What do you think would come after I arrived? Your plan is thwarted, and a punk like you will spend a long time in lockup. Are you ready to go to Nova's basement? (laughs) (laughs) Another loud fight seems to break out, and the noise of a World War II tank rings in our heroes' ears as they lay helpless on the table. The room goes quiet, and it appears everyone has left the room. Our heroes remain. They appear helpless. What will we ever do, swordsman? What about my sister, Squirrel Girl? We can only hope for the best. It seems as though we cannot give up hope that our friends will find and rescue us and this new mystery man. Until then, let us try to at least get these blindfolds off before someone returns. What will happen next? Will our heroes escape? Find out next time on Mad Libs. You know what's horrible is he puts blindfolds on them even though they've clearly said out loud that big-footed booby woman has x-ray vision. (laughs) (laughs) And she can't grab the Mylar bags with her x-ray vision. (laughs) See, that's a cool thing about the the Mad Libs. You know, you never know what answers we're going to give to put into the story. Very true, very true. Uh, Okay, so... Tap, I didn't know blue-footed booby woman's sister was Squirrel Girl. She is. Well, that's a little known fact that I just <laughs> made up five minutes ago. <laughs> Question is, are you ready to go to Nova's basement? <laughs> no one's ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> he grabs two bandanas and a bolo hat. <laughs> What's he going to do with the bolo hat? He's going to throw it. James throw it. Bond style. Yeah, just you like a James Bond. Me. Yep. I was going to say, you can't see me throwing this bolo hat after I blindfolded you. Which one of you will get the bolo, the bolo hat? hat? And they duck, and he's like, how the hell did you see that coming? Oh, <laughs> She's like, my x-ray vision! <laughs> 
See, what I'm oh. curious about is what does the comic book Myler bags have to do with it? What what, what does she need to grab it for? <laughs> they were going to use find them out. somehow. To we'll escape. find out next time. Good luck with that uh, story plot there, Rusty. <laughs> I'll make it work. Oh, it's going fun. so far. Who knows? We still have the um, the the mighty mustache roaming around, too. Oh, yeah. yes. We, we keep Rusty on his toes. <laughs> he keeps his writing oh. skills sharp. Yep, it's a true story. I got to make this all uh, the continuity all just flow. All in the end, we'll hopefully it will tie all together. After this, Marvel well, or DC should be knocking down your door asking you to write some scripts for them. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm sure they'll love for me to write like Impossible Man or something, right? Oh, yeah. No. Well, you know, we'll, we'll just take this to a comic. And we'll get uh, Daniel Lester to uh, 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 pencil for us. Oh, there, there you go. go. <laughs> oh my gosh, blue-footed booby woman in in. <laughs> In color, I couldn't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> She'll come out gray. <laughs> it's gonna be ironic. She's not gonna be blue at all. If I ever, like if yellow. I ever see Daniel at another at another uh, con, I'm gonna ask him to do a blue footed booty, bo- a blue footed booby woman sketch as a commission. There you go. <laughs> and maybe we can get Red to find someone to do Connor McCloud Swordsman. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what that would look like. <laughs> the handkerchief thief. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, well, that right. was fun. That was, that was Always good. fun. But tune in, because next time, next Mad Libs, we'll continue on from the story, as always, and we will find out what happens next. But we're going to go do something else now. Welcome to Battle of the Geeks. It's that time, folks, for our three contestants to a battle royale for a chance to win an amazing Spider-Man number 300. Let's start Battle of the Geeks, shall we? And welcome our guest, Rusty, Nova, and Tap. Gentlemen. Hey! Thank you. The crowd goes wild. Woo! (laughs) I I just see Gonzo filling his arms in the back. Yay! Um, So we points as of now. We have Tap in the lead with eight points. Yeah! Half Half of that is Rusty at four points. Woo! Nova is just ahead of you, though, Rusty, with five points. Ugh. But, you know, the only reason why Tap has eight now is because he got an extra point less this last week. What? what? Yeah. Remember we remember our last contest? In the last contest we had, uh, we had a special challenge. All you had to do was show a picture of a four guys in a comic advertisement in a comic book store. And Tap sent a picture of that. I know. I, I forgot about it. Uh, I don't want to win. Uh, uh, <laughs> I do want to win. Yeah. That's why I got the actress to answer. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, guys, let's start Battle of the Geeks, shall we? Most definitely. All right, let's well, do this. since our audience seemed to love our newer format that we did halfway through the last show, we're going to continue in that trend. And I'm going to have Nova and Rusty take off your headphones and not listen to what's being said to Tap. Oh, okay. All right, Tap. So I have a few questions for you here. Okay. And hopefully I know them. All right. So in regards to comics currently from this month, please name the writer for the following titles. Oh, geez. Okay. Scooby Apocalypse. (sighs) Crap. I don't know who's writing it. Is uh, Jim Lee's not writing it, is he? Yes, you oh, got okay. it. I thought he was just doing the art. Nope, you got it. 
All right. Uh, how about Unbeatable Squirrel Girl? Uh, I have no clue. No clue. Okay. Well, that was Ryan North. Um, next, how about My Little Pony Friends Forever? We <laughs> had no clue. <laughs> All right. That would be Christina, Christina Rice. How about Silk? Oh, Stacy Lee's doing the art. Um, crap. Yeah, I don't know who's writing it. Well, that would be Robbie Thompson. Okay, okay. Yeah. we have to get it. East to West. Who's writing these? Jonathan Hickman. Okay, and your last one, Venom Space Knight. No idea. This is all Marvel. I'm not reading anything Marvel. Uh, well, that is also Robbie Thompson. Oh. Yeah, no, I'm not reading anything Marvel, so hopefully Rusty knows these, because Nova's not going to know them either. <laughs> all right. So, let's uh, bring another guy on and see who we can get. Nova's over there yawning. Hello, can somebody see me? All, All right, right. Nova is joining us. Nova, can you hear? Here. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> Loud and clear, ten four ten. All right, so I have a few questions for you. Tap was able to get one, so all you have to do is. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> Good luck. Yes. All right. So, in regards to current comics from this month, please name the writer of the following titles: Scooby Apocalypse. Pass. All right. Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Pass. <laughs> now you know why I got one. My Little Pony, Friends Forever. Pass. Silk. Robbie Thompson. Yes! I named the artist. All right. How about <laughs> Venom Space Knight? Whoa, whoa, Rusty. No, no. <laughs> Rusty, no, no. Rusty's put his headphones on. You he cheater, get take off. Take that off. Wait, He's what cheating. happened? You're cheating. Oh, you you take that off. No, okay, I'm yeah. taking them off. Negative two. <laughs> yeah, he just okay. lost um, two Ven- points. Yeah, <laughs> Venom Space Knight. Is that also Robbie Thompson? Yes, it is. Ooh, good guesses. And All right. Yes, and your last one, which I, I know you're going to get this one, East of West. Jonathan Hickman. Correct. See, the thing is on that one, though, Red, you cut out. You can hear it back on the recording. When you asked me east of west, I didn't even get a chance to answer. Because, like, the minute you got done asking me, I heard you say Jonathan Hickman. Oh, did it cut out on you? Yeah. So, like, the minute you asked me, I immediately heard you go, oh, Jonathan Hickman. And I went, yeah. Like, because it was, it was weird. I didn't even have a chance to answer that one. Oh. I was going to say, I knew you would know that one would be Jonathan Hickman. Yeah, that one I didn't even, like, it was weird. But regardless of which, you had one. He, uh, Nova has three. Yeah, I got. So he's got young. Yeah, you did get Scooby Doo. No, it was that Jim Lee. Oh, he's writing that. That's right. That's oh. what I said. I yeah, said, I, I thought he was yes. doing the art. Though. Unbeatable Squirrel Girl is Ryan North, and My Little Pony Friends Forever is Christina Rice. Fair All right, enough, fair enough. All right, let's get Rusty in here. Hello, come on, Rusty, join. Yeah, yeah, you come on in. Put your headphones on. So for our listeners out here, we're on Skype video, and we're giving hand signals here. Nice ones. Okay, so Rusty, Tap got one. Nova got three. Now, you have to get more than three. So here are your questions. So in regards to the current comics from this month, please name the writer for the following titles. Scooby Apocalypse. Hey, you got me. I don't know. <laughs> no okay. idea. Well, Tap got this one. It is Jim Lee. 
Is it? Really? Yes. He did only the first is. issue, though, didn't he? Or is he doing the whole series? That I couldn't answer. I think it's the whole series. <laughs> okay. Right. I think he just so did next... the art for the first issue. All right. All right. And remember, I also said uh, from this month. Okay. Current comments from this month. All right. Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. I don't know. I don't collect Squirrel Girl. Yes. I don't okay. collect Squirrel Ryan, Girl. Ryan North. Okay. All right. Here's a tough one for you. Probably the toughest one you're going to get. My Little Pony, Friends Forever. Come on, you know you're a brony. <laughs> I wish everybody could see a look on his face. <laughs> I think secretly he knows that he just doesn't want to admit that I he's a brony. I really don't know. I had to explain to Red what a brony was. And yeah. he's a brony now. So, <laughs> But no, I have no idea. Who is it? All right. Okay, how about this? That is Christina Rice. Okay, I would have never known. All right, that's fine. How about this one? Silk. Um, it's written by Robbie Thompson. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. God, everybody knew. Design. I just knew the artist. I didn't know the freaking writer. Okay, <laughs> here is one that I, I really think you're going to get. Venom Space Knight. Uh, Robbie Thompson. Yes. I yeah. threw a double one in there. Uh, all right, and your last one. The, actually, this might be your hardest one because it's an image title. What is right. it? East of the West. Um, mi- not Miller? No, I don't know. I don't know. I was going to say it Miller. is Jonathan Hickman. It's Hickman? Okay. It is know. Hickman. All right. So for this round. I was going to say Mark Miller, but I, I had no idea. Nova one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we had Tap with one. Uh, Rusty with two and Nova with three. So ta- uh, Nova got one point for that round. Good All right. And actually, this time we're going to have Nova go first. All right. So if you other just like to take your headphones off. All right. <laughs> Nova. All right. So Nova, your mission is to name as many of the 84 comics that Jonathan Hickman wrote. Oh, when can I go? Go. Uh, Avengers, New Avengers, East of West, The Dying in the Dead, Manhattan Projects. Oh my gosh, you slow down. That was Avengers. <laughs> New Avengers. Yeah, East of West, Manhattan Projects. East of West. The, the Dying yep. in the Dead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, I hope that's not the end of my role. Um, uh, what was that one called? Fantastic Four. He did FF, yeah, uh, which was did. Future Foundation. Um, Secret yep. Wars. I guess, can I say Infinity? Will that count? Correct. Because that was also a separate title. Um, yep. What else? What You're else did he do? At 50 seconds. I got 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, uh, 2. I think I'm good. All right, yes. All right, so you got eight. Not bad. Excuse me. So now let's get Rusty. Rusty, hello. They are busy. Rusty, 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 Rusty. Okay, I'm here. Cool. All right, Rusty. So Nova has gotten eight. Eight? Eight. What? Yowza. 
Oh, no. Yes. So, yes. So your mission in 60 seconds is to name as many of the 84 comics that Jonathan Hickman wrote. Start now. Um, he didn't do Age of Ultron. Hey, East of West. Does that count? Yep. Still, okay. Yep. okay. Yep. Did he do Age of Ultron or was that... That was Bendis. Oh, no. Okay. Um, uh, Secret War... No, sec- no, that was... Was that Secret Wars? No, Secret Wars was... It is Secret Wars? No. Um, yes or no? You tell me. Yes or no? Secret yes. Wars? Yes. Okay, yes, you got a point. <laughs> there for that. Okay, cool. Um, Fantastic Four. Right? Yep. Yep. Right. And then... Um, that's three. Uh, this is a cool. I can't name all these things. Nova's got me beat. I feel like um, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, I don't, I don't two, know. one, zero. All right, time is up. You got three. I got three. <laughs> That's fine with me. You got three. I don't all know how. All what right. you named eight? Someone must be a fanboy over here. Jeez, yeah. that's like it's ten percent. I've got the I got the full list of his eighty four right here. Yeah, I'm looking at some right, that I can't let's... believe I missed. Yeah, I'll, I'll go through the the list of some of the stuff now. If Cap would pay attention to his screen, <laughs> just a bunch of hands waving. Good luck, Tap. This is nobody's <laughs> got his beat. Okay. Oh, awesome. all right. So nobody's. Nova was able to answer eight. What? Rusty got <laughs> yes. Rusty got three. Oh, now let's Jesus. see what you can do in sixty seconds. So tap. Your mission is to name as many of the eighty-four comics that Jonathan Hickman wrote in sixty seconds. Go. Uh, east of West. Yep. Um, I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. I hate these timed ones because I always can't ever remember. Um, fuck, I don't know. Um, wait, now. we were just talking about what? No, we were just talking about one. Um, the, the, the Manhattan Project, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Correct. I was like, I remember yep, Daniel Leister was talking about that one. Um, I don't know. I'm at a loss, to be honest with you. Um, hmm. <laughs> Hickman, 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 Hickman. Fantastic Four. Correct. All three of you got that one. Mm. I guarantee there's a shit ton that I've read and I just don't... I'm just not putting a name to a title. And time is up. Wow. Time's up. All right. We both got three. Well, hey, you and Rusty tied at three. All right. But Nova you got it. Manhattan Project, eight. and I didn't name Manhattan Project. Well, I remember Daniel Leister was talking about it. That's the only reason why I got it, to be honest with you. You said Manhattan so Project... Oh, go ahead. So some of the big titles that y'all missed was Astonishing Tales. We have, of course, Avengers. We have uh, the Captain America 75th Anniversary. We have Dark Reign, Dying in the Dead, East of West, Fantastic Four, uh, God is Dead, uh, Manhattan Project, The Nightly News, The List, Infinity, Original Sin Companion, uh, The New Avengers, Mixtapes, Secret Wars, uh, Secret Warriors, 
Siege. Uh, Strange oh, Tales. I should have remembered that one. See, I said Secret Wars, and they didn't just give it to me right away. He goes, "Are Wait, you Secret sure?" Wars? He's like, he, he couldn't. I, he didn't. He was, I go, Secret he was Wars. Sure. I was like, Secret Wars, right? And then they were like, I don't know. Is it Secret Wars? And I'm like, just tell me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So for this next one, so this is Nova's feet. week. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, let's see here. I think you, I think somebody might come up on this one. So, Rusty, you're going to go first this time. All right. Cool. Going off. Get out of here. All right. So, Rusty, off. your mission in 60 seconds is to name as many of the 123 comic series that Todd McFarlane penciled. Penciled? Um, Amazing yes. Spider-Man. Uh, Spawn. Yes. Um, yes. He did Hulk, Incredible Hulk. Uh, mm-hmm, correct. He did. Uh, I. Why am I drawing a blank on this now? Um, Violator. Would that count? Uh, include that in Spawn. It was yeah, a separate that's, that's, series. It was. Okay. Um, can I say Spider Man? Yes, you can. Okay. Um, okay, so that's five. Um, what else did he do? Um, geez, why am I drawing blank? Um, hundred and twenty-three comics. I know there are so many titles. Mm-hmm. Um, five, four, three, two, one. Time. All right. All right. So you got what five out of all that? Yeah, five out of all of it. That's not bad. That's not bad That's at not all. Bad. Hopefully, they do worse than all me. Right. All right, let's bring one of them in. All right. <coughs> Hello, Tapernova. One, two. Hello. All hey. right, Nova. Okay. Cool. So you got your work cut out for you here. <coughs> Rusty was able to get five items. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Yes. So your mission in 60 seconds is to name as many of the 123 comic series that Todd McFarlane penciled. Penciled. Start. Uh, Amazing Spider-Man. Yep. Um, adjectiveless Spider-Man, so just Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, Spawn. I think he did some Incredible mm-hmm. Hulk. Yep. Um Let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, did he do Spawn Batman crossover? Yes, he did. Yep. I think he did, yeah. Um, I'm going to take a gamble and say, no, I don't think he did that. Well, what do you think? Uh, Wolverine. No, I don't yes, think he, he did. did. That, oh, wow. Yes, he did. A lot of them. <laughs> um. Yeah, Spectacular Spider-Man. Yep. Damn, I didn't know if I should decide if he did that one or not. Three, two, one. Yeah, that's all I got. One time. All right, you got seven. Damn you, Nova. You got seven. You are on a roll tonight. I I only said one that you didn't say, so. All right, Tap, you here? Sorry on that damn Batman. uh, What? 
right. Okay. 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 Hold on. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> All right. So yeah. Yes. You got Rusty was able to get five. Okay. Nova got seven. Okay. So you have to beat seven. Seven right. what? Now your mission in sixty <laughs> seconds. Seven answers. Seven answers. Uh, so your mission. Okay. It's to name as many of the hundred and twenty-three comic series that Todd McFarlane penciled. Start. <sighs> Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Spawn. Yep. Spawn Bat. Spawn versus Batman. Yeah. Um. Infinity Inc. Is that one? Yes. Yes. Okay. Infinity. Yep. Uh, Cyber Force. Right? Is that right? I don't know. Maybe. I'm looking for an answer. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> um, maybe not. Okay. Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. There it is on my list. Um, Incredible Hulk. How can you yep. forget Incredible Hulk? Um, he also did like just Spider Man, not Amazing Spider Man, yep. but Spider Man. Yep. What am I at? You're tied. Tied. You're tied. Tied. You got seven. Damn you. One you. Nine. Oh eight. Seven. Six. Five. I can't Three. think. Batman, Batman, Batman. Two. Batman. One. Batman. There we Straight go. Straight Batman. So Year two. How could I almost forget that? <laughs> that was in Detective Com. Ah, oh, fine, whatever. All right. So some of it the was big in ones Detective you- Comics, but <laughs> yes, he penciled right, so the character Batman. Batman. That's not what he was asking, though. But sure, yeah, we'll let that cheat fly. <laughs> no, it, it's it's in the list. He did Batman. All right. He also did. Let's see some of the big ones here. Amazing Spider-Man. Now, as we know, uh, he did Archie. He's done uh, he Batman, Archie. classic GI Joe, Coyote, Daredevil, Cyber Force, Detective Comics, uh, Elephant Man, GI Joe, Real American Hero. Uh, Hellspawn, Heroes, Haunt, Heavy Metal. Hellspawn, um, I, that's the one I was thinking of. I could Invasion, remember. The Incredible Hulk, uh, a lot of official handbooks. Uh, Spawn, of course, Spawn Batman, Spawn Violator, Spectacular Spider-Man, Spider-Man. And he's done a lot of... Sp- I mean, you guys could have gone Spider-Man, Spider-Man well, Special. I he did a ton of Spider-Man in the late 80s, early uh, 90s. Yeah. Uh, Spitfire, Splitting Image... The Superman Gallery, Superman Special, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, Venom. I'm not seeing uh, Batman on Comic Book DB. That's all I'm seeing. <laughs> Wolverine, uh, uh, X Force, X Men. Yeah, he's in a lot. <clears throat> yeah, he's done a ton. All right, so we have one more segment today. We're just going to make this short. We're only going to do four. And yeah. we're going to have Tap go first. So, Nova and Rusty, if you guys can take off your headphones. All right, hopefully I know something here. It's been a rough week for me. All right. So, in 60 seconds, you know, okay. You know, obviously, since we're fighting for that chance to win that amazing Spider-Man 300, mm-hmm. let's get back into the Spidey basics. Okay. Now, I want you to name me in 60 seconds as many of the 647 Spider-Man titles that you can. What do you? Hang on. What, 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 clarify. What do you mean, Spider-Man titles? You know, for obviously, the Amazing Spider-Man is a title. So, like, Amazing Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, those types of ones. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. There's 647. 647? 647. Holy 
crap. Okay. Yeah. Ready? Well, I'm definitely not naming that many. All right. All right. Go. Uh, amazing Spider-Man. Spectacular Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Spider. Uh, Spider-Man and his foes, or something like that. Um, uh, Spider-Man 2099. Does um, sp- like Spider Gwen in those count? Uh, no, this is just okay, Spider-Man. Spider-Man only. Okay, so Spider-Man 2099. Uh, spectacular. Spider-Man. Amazing. Uh, Spider-Man and Mary Jane, I want to say, was one. Um, Not Spider-Man and Mary Jane. Spider-Man no. and... Amazing Fantasy 15. I don't know if that one counts. <laughs> no, no. Um, good God, I had no idea there was that many. Uh, oh, time is up. All right, you got well, five. You got well, five. It's all right, I guess. I'm, su- I'm surprised you didn't throw out Ultimate. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah, that's a popular one. All right, so let's bring in uh, uh, whoever can see. Looks like it's right. going to be Rusty. Okay, Rusty is picking up first. <clears throat> All right, All Rusty, right. you ready? Yeah, I guess. Okay. Now, you know, as I told, you're all fighting for a chance to win that uh, Spider-Man number 300. I want to get back to the Spider-Man basics. Okay. So in 60 seconds, you have to name me as many of the 647 Spider-Man titles that you can. And we're talking the actual titles of the comic. Wait, do you mean For like the name of the arc? No. Or like- nope. The name of the comic book is like the name of the comic book is The Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, so the adjective. Sure. Okay. So, sure. Okay. You want to put it right? And go. Sensational Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, uh, ulti- Sp- Ultimate Spider-Man? Um, yep. uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Web of Spider-Man? Yep. Um. Uh. What else? Can I name team ups? Yes. Marvel from Marvel Premiere, Marvel Team Up, Spider Man. Those are two in itself. There's Marvel Premiere and Marvel Team Up. Um. What about um, uh, Superior Foes of Spider Man? Would that Superior count? Foes of Sp- yep. Okay. Um. Superior Spider Man. Um. Spidey. Um. Yep. Uh. What about Scarlet Spiders? Because that includes Spider-Man. No, that Okay. Um, oh, what else is there? Um, uh, just I said just Spider-Man, right? Um, I don't remember if I did or didn't. Yeah, you did. Oh, my God. Okay. Like, you're way beyond time. I wasn't looking at that. We are done. So I got let's ten. Do. You got more How than we- me. Dope. All right, Nova. What's my challenge? Your challenge is to beat Rusty gotta, for once. Yeah. What? Yeah. Rusty got ten. All right. Now Ouch. keep in mind, as I told the other two guys, you know, you guys are fighting for that Spider-Man three hundred, and we need to get back to the Spider-Man basics. You know, back to Spidey. Let's talk about Spidey. All right. And I'm going to ask you in sixty seconds any of the six hundred and forty-seven Spider-Man titles that you can. And we're talking the actual title of the comic, like The Amazing Spider-Man, okay? Yeah. 
All right, you ready? Yeah. All right, go. Well, the Amazing Spider-Man, uh, regular uh-huh. Spider-Man, uh, Sp- Spider-Man and the X-Men, mm-hmm. uh, Spider-Man 2099. Yep. I was just talking about this. Spider-Man Blue. Uh-huh. Uh, Spider-Man... Uh, Sensational Spider-Man. Yep. Uh, Spectacular Spider-Man. Yep. Uh, Giant Size Spider-Man. Yep. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man. Nine. Um, Spider-Man Noir. (gasps) Superior Spider-Man. You got it in 50 seconds. Oh, no. Superior saved the day again. Yes, our, our DC guy got it. Oh. I didn't know right, you so could name giant size Spider Man. When can we do that? All right, That's there's insane. a lot. I mean, you guys could have named uh, Astonishing Spider Man, like, uh, Dark Rain Spider Man, Deadly Foes of Spider Man. Yeah, I thought of like four more uh, after I got done. I was like, shit. About, you got, look at this Spider Man and the Human Torch, Spider Man and Secret Wars, Spider Man X Men, Spider Man Wolverine. I'm I didn't know that Spider Man Wolverine and Spider Man X. I didn't know that would count either. I figured that would just be like Spider Man, the Dallas Cowboys, Spider Man, the Fantastic Four, Spider Man, and Batman. There was Spider Man and the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 1983. Uh, okay, I'm cool with that. I'm a Cowboys fan. Ew. What do you mean? Ew. Ew. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Cowboys cheerleader fan. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll tell you what, Vi- uh, I would have even by Vivint Entertainment in 2011, Spider-Man XXX, a porn parody. Oh. What? How'd they pull that like, off? <laughs> I don't know how, but... Th- With organic webbing. <laughs> yeah, very organic. So, my goodness, who... I mean, you got a lot of points out there. So, so Nova, you got three points today. Uh, Nova, tap one... Out. Rusty, nothing. <laughs> I thought you might. Have, I thought you had that one, Rusty. I was rooting for you. I thought I had that one too. I, I didn't know giant size Spider Man counts. <laughs> I guess. Sorry, man. Boo this. All right, so, so there we go, guys. Current points. Tap is still in the lead at nine. Nova's at eight. Rusty at four. Come back. You are going to. Come this back. Was, we'll this see. definitely Nova's week. Okay. Yes, it was. I mean, that, wow. That was a great job, guys. All right. So, we typically always do challenges. So, we need to come up with a great challenge for the three of you this week. Something that will push the envelope. Something that will just wow every. I'm, I know. I, I have so many ideas. I'm, telling you, I'm kind of at a point I want to go with. Part of me says, you know, a point for each person and get Rusty to read Invincible. <laughs> he's not going to read anything then, because then he's going to be yeah. like, nobody's <laughs> getting points. I got like, myself oh, look to at read. that. I made myself read this. Yeah. <laughs> I read 100 issues. Yeah. Oh, oh 100 points. All right. No, no. <laughs> okay. So for this, cha- this challenge, it's really simple. All you got to do is by next contest, have an original Spider-Man and story. Oh, okay? okay. And we're going to have a special guest judge come on 
I'm gonna write the that's best simple. Spider-Man story ever. Rusty's like, and we will. Right in my alley. All right. We're gonna and get we'll up to the we, we have to have like the a limit though on like how long be. it is. Well, obviously yeah. you have to give me a okay. Well, let's keep it to a minute, sixty yeah, seconds. Thousand word Spider-Man story. There you go. Simple and fun, you know. No, it's got to keep that Spider-Man rolling. All right, and, and I that will wrap up this segment. Good luck, gentlemen. We will see who comes up with something cool. What up, everyone? This is Tap, and with me tonight, I have Rusty and Red. The double R's are in the house. What Ooh. up? Hey, what's... Oh, what's going on, gentlemen? Hey, not much. Uh, Living the dream, man. Living the dream. Yeah, Another day in paradise. Another day in paradise. That being said, this brings us to pros and cons now normally we debate the pros and cons of uh well whatever the hell it is that we come up with for that month so this month what we're going to do is actually going to discuss the pros and cons of famous actors playing superheroes point in case and first example ben affleck now in my opinion ben affleck as batman I can get behind. I forget that he's Ben Affleck when he's in the costume, he's in the suit. I don't see Ben Affleck. I see Batman. Not only do I see Batman, aside from the branding and blah, 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 I get all that. He kills people. Okay, I'm not on board with that. But the suit-wise and stuff, I see badass Frank Miller Batman, okay? However, when he's Bruce Wayne, I can't get lost in the character because I keep saying, fuck, that's Ben Affleck. That's not Bruce Wayne. Um, So, that being said... There's mine, Ben Affleck. I just, I don't... They're great actors, and I don't dislike him. It's just hard to get lost in the character, because I keep saying Ben Affleck. Do you guys agree with me, or am I on my own on this? I agree with you. I I agree with you, too. It was a poor choice, because some actors, actresses, get stereotyped into roles... Or just have no place in roles, and he was one of them. Because you look at that, you just see Ben Affleck, and you don't you don't see Bruce Wayne, you don't see Batman. Oh, I see it's, Batman. I just don't see Bruce. I was gonna say it's the same idea. Okay, we can argue the same situation for George Clooney and Batman when he was in the suit. It wasn't oh, that bad. I mean, there were some dumb puns. That and whole stuff. movie was horrible, though. Okay, Come on, let's not. Oh, but Clooney. think about this: let's not when you see <laughs> George Clooney as Bruce Wayne, just like you said, when you see Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne, I'm sitting there thinking of the actor the whole time. But when the costume's on, you know, you got the mask on and stuff. It's like, all right, maybe I can believe this. Okay, so it's like, yeah, I mean, no, like Michael Keaton. You know, for me, you know, I see Michael Keaton. I'm thinking of all the movies that he's done. It's like really Michael Keaton. Then you bring in um, uh, the Joker, or what's his name? Um, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. Nicholson. And and all you think is The Shining and all this other stuff. I mean, he yeah. did a wonderful job. Don't get me wrong, but remember at that time too. You know, you still think of Cesar Romero, and here's Jack Nicholson. Yeah, he did a great job, but it's just like really. Well, that's the thing, though. I mean, like, I get your your idea on that between Caesar and Jack, but with Jack, I think Jack resonates more with the more modern Joker and what we see now. And I think that they took more influence from 
Jack Nicholson's mm-hmm. Joker than they did Caesar. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. They, they didn't they have did. a mustache, first of all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah, true. But no, but then when they bring in Danny DeVito, I'm going to tell you, I I said, hey, they should make Danny DeVito the Penguin. You know, after the first movie came out, that boom, you see him. He did a great job. And I'll tell he you, did what, a pretty good job at that. I, I could, that was behind it. on it. I did yeah. not see Michelle Pfeiffer as Catwoman. I did not see Michelle Pfeiffer. I saw Catwoman. Um, Michael Keaton. I actually liked Michael Keaton though as Bruce Wayne and Batman. I didn't see Michael Keaton. Maybe it's because back then. Michael Keaton was becoming a big star, but he wasn't quite there yet. Because previous to Batman, he had done Beetlejuice and mm-hmm. like Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom were like yeah. the two big ones. Um, so he was he was up and coming, but he hadn't done a lot of big big roles yet. So for me, I could get lost in that, and I still can because childhood memories and whatnot. Um, but like so, maybe a pro to this side. Then so we've named off the cons. So maybe a pro to this side would be. Tom Holland as the new Spider-Man. Yes. What did you guys think about that? He's been the best one to date, in my I opinion. So I, I was I was you. behind Andrew Garfield more than Tobey Maguire. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tom Holland See, now, blew him out of Tom the water. Tom Holland though. blew him. I'm going to say that Tom Holland blew him out of the water. Yeah. See, I've, I've said this before in the podcast. I'll say it again. You know, Tobey Maguire was the perfect Peter Parker, terrible Spider-Man, where. Uh, Garfield was the perfect Spider-Man, but terrible Peter Parker. I can see that. But yeah. the new guy played both parts perfectly. Yes, he did. <laughs> very, very, very much so. Uh, Tom Holland was fantastic. And some of those one-liners he had and stuff in there, like, you got a metal arm? That's so cool! Like, I just loved how they played off, like, the geekiness of this kid. It was, and to take him back to high school, I thought was really cool, too. I'm excited say- for the upcoming Spider-Man movie. Definitely, I'll say another one that's pretty good. That like for me, just because I didn't really know anything about him beforehand, and I'm not a fan of the character really. But uh, Chris Helmsworth is Thor. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's one I could see either way. Okay, so yeah. here's a big one that is a huge actor. Yet I can this is a pro for me. I can get lost in the character because he's that damn good. Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man and Tony Stark. Yeah, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. I, okay, you know what? Iron Man. When, when, when he first came out, uh, it, I had actually had that problem. I couldn't get over him being as Tony Stark. But you know what? Now I can't think of him as anything else. Yeah, exactly. I see him in other movies, and I just keep thinking Tony Stark. Like, I have a hard time watching Sherlock Holmes because I keep seeing Tony Stark. <laughs> like, he's become Tony Stark to me. Um, Chris Hemsworth, I think is a or not Chris Hemsworth. I'm sorry, Chris Evans, I think is a pro as a uh, Captain America. I can't see him. What about him as Johnny Storm? That's the thing. When when he was a wonderful as Johnny. Okay, wonderful as Johnny Storm. The weird thing was is that he came into Johnny Storm not being a high school kid. Mm-hmm. Because in the original Fantastic Four, he was still like in high school. Yes, and those movies weren't very good either. Yeah. So let's. You gotta take I that like, with a grain of salt. I like the movies. I actually I enjoyed them. them for what they were, but they the weren't. first one isn't that bad. I think Jessica Alba as Sue Storm is weird though. Yeah, I don't like that. I didn't like that. At all. That was weird. It was weird because I she's already typecast for me from you know their TV show. But I, when I when I started watching Captain America, I'm like. This isn't Captain America. This is Johnny Storm. Now, again, I don't think of him as Johnny anymore. I, it's Captain America. Yes. 
Yeah. And Scarlett Johansson is Black Widow. I guess, I gotta say, Marvel, okay, I take this back, Marvel does a really good job in casting, because now that I'm, like, naming off these people, I'm like, they're really good. So, yeah. I, Marvel does a good job in casting. So, Marvel Pro Site. Okay, so let's... They didn't always used to be, well... Marvel Studios, though, has been knocking it out yeah, of Marvel the park. Marvel Studios has been good. But yes. not all Marvel movies have been good. No, 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 no. I'm saying no. Marvel Studios. Ever since they took over, Marvel Studios has been knocking it out of the park. Um, I, I was going to bring up um, Nicolas Cage, Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider, yeah. I can't... I, I see. I don't do see Johnny, Sto- I, I, Johnny Blaze. I see... Nicholas Cage. Yeah. Especially no, that was, in the that second was... one, I had high hopes because it looked like they were going darker with it. And I'm like, all right, this is going to be epic. And they did go darker. But then there's that stupid scene with uh, with Nicholas Cage where he's just laughing hysterically for absolutely no reason. And like the camera's like spinning around him. That is such a bizarre scene. <laughs> and it completely mm-hmm. threw me off of like everything. I, yeah, I was not, not a fan of that one at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can even go back to Brad Pitt again with his Daredevil. You mean Ben Affleck? Yeah, yeah ben, Affleck. ben Affleck. You can go back ben to Affleck. Ben Affleck and his Daredevil. I liked See, Daredevil for what it was. I don't think it was a great movie, but I enjoyed it for what it was. Mm-hmm. And... I honestly, God, when I first saw Daredevil, I didn't see Ben Affleck. I saw, hey, it's the guy from Fashionable Mail. (laughs) For you Mallrat fans, you guys are going to understand exactly what I'm getting at. If you haven't seen Mallrats, then it's funny. Go check it on. Check it out. Yeah, if you haven't seen Mallrats, get some chocolate pretzels. It'll be okay. But uh, (laughs) yeah, I can't lie though. When I first saw Daredevil, I honestly just kept thinking, hey, it's that asshole from Fashionable Mail. (laughs) That's what I kept thinking. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Ben Affleck is just such a a larger than life actor, um, who's great though. He does great. He's not a bad actor. I'm not trying to bash his acting. It's just it's hard to get over the fact that that's Ben Affleck. You know what I mean? Like it's you do, you can't see past that. Um, I think Robert Downey Jr. just plays such an amazing Tony Stark that he's able to get away with it. Uh, now for me, Samuel L. Jackson is Nick Fury. I, 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 I know never, you it. <laughs> I never liked him, and to me, still to this day, just bugs me. I mean, the, they, 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 he should never been in the Marvel movies, and he should have never been in Star Wars. The only oh. reason, okay, I like Samuel L. Jackson as an actor. I do too. The only reason why I can see Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury is because, as we all know, in the Ultimate Universe, mm-hmm. they based him on Samuel L. Jackson. Um, had that not been the case, though, um, I would have a hard time accepting him as Nick Fury because I wouldn't see Nick Fury. I'd see Samuel L. Jackson, you know, screaming, get these snakes off this Marvel plane. Um, but I'm telling you, I, yeah. I mean, I wish, I really wish they would have had, um, oh, God, I'm so late. I'm having a brain fart. Uh, Robert Redford. David Hasselhoff. No, Robert Redford. <laughs> he would, he should have been. Nick Fury, but unfortunately they changed, put him in there as you know a Hydra agent. But he is the perfect choice for original Nick Fury. Put an eye patch on him, perfect. Boom, right there. Yeah, I can see that. I but will, another, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go uh, I was going to say another one that they just really hit out of the park was Chris Pratt. That oh, was Star Lord. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah they did, they did a fantastic that. job of Star Lord. One that I did find a little odd though. So kind of a. This is a pro con slash mix thing. And I don't know if he... Batista is Drax. 
I don't know about Batista's. I mean, he did a good job, I guess, in the correct, movie. Correct, correct. I'm not, I'm not saying he did a bad job. But me, growing up in the 90s and the early 2000s loving wrestling, I had a hard time seeing Drax. I kept saying, oh my god, it's Batista painted green. Like, mm-hmm. it was hard you know for what? me to get I into it. I had even more of a hard time with it. Because, you know, I love the cosmic. I'm like, where's this yeah. cape? Where, where, where is the headgear? Where's the backstory about him coming from Earth and like his wife and being slaughtered and his kid and everything? And it's just like, oh my god! I mean, it wasn't like he made it seem in the movie they were like his wife and his kids got slaughtered like on another planet, right? Yeah. It, in the real Marvel comics, it was he was an Earthling Seriously? and he got resurrected into Drax. Seriously. And, Iron Man 55, man, first appearance of Thanos and Drax. I did not know that. Yep, he was an Earthling that the um, needed... Okay, Mentor and... um, What's flipping Thanos' brother's name? Um, What's it? He wears the red suit. Why am I having a brain fart? You're the Actually, cosmic I, kid. I don't I know. know. Yeah. He was, it, y'all have read Infinity Gauntlet. You should know what I'm talking about. They cover his mouth in it, and he can't speak anymore. Um, he's the light titan. Oh, my gosh. I can't remember his name. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He's cool, too. Um, he was an Avenger for a while. Anyways, uh, so... Thanos's brother, like, and his dad basically needed someone to uh, fight Thanos. So Thanos coincidentally killed Drax and his wife and his kid because they witnessed his ship fly over Earth. And he was on a mission that he couldn't have anyone in any way give away his location and what he was doing. And then he was like, all right, so the family saw it driving through the desert, the ship. And he's like, okay, I have to kill him. Killed him. And then they were like, well, we have to stop someone, stop him while we can and resurrect someone to be this champion against Thanos. And they chose this guy that he killed. And he came back and they blocked all his memories about why his wife and his life and all that and all he knew is that he needed to fight Thanos and then um, through some stuff that happened he regained all his memories and he remembered that his wife and his kid were murdered by Thanos and that's why he wants to kill Thanos so bad hmm. interesting yeah but so, speaking with the Guardians of the Galaxy you know the two things when I first saw the lineup on that was you know Vin Diesel I was like oh my gosh really Vin Diesel he did a great Groot but he did a great Groot man you just never knew it was him throughout the movie you just didn't and same that was, thing with uh, Bradley Cooper yeah but Michael Rooker for oh me, he was you know, great he was good but I'm going to tell you I always saw Walking Dead the whole time I'm just yeah. waiting for Daryl to show up with a crossbow <laughs> yeah. yeah I can see that um, so one that knocked it out of the park and was, so it was a pro and a con kind of rolled into one and we're going to cross universes here. Are you guys ready for this? Ryan Reynolds as Green Lantern and mm-hmm. Deadpool. Ryan Reynolds as Green Lantern. I had a hard time seeing him as Hal Jordan. He didn't come across as Hal Jordan to me. I kept seeing him as Ryan Reynolds in a fucking green cosmic suit. I never even saw the movie. 
I didn't want to see it. Everyone told me how horrible it was, and I was like, all right, never mind. The thing is, I like the movie. Actually, I like the movie. It's all right. I'll watch it again. I have it on Blu-ray. I'll watch it again. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I couldn't get lost in it. I couldn't see him as Hal Jordan. I kept seeing him as, this is Ryan Reynolds flying around in a green space suit. He might have been a better Guy Gardner. That, well, Guy Gardner's kind of an asshole. But that being said... Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool? Holy crap, he was born to play that role. So, con for Green Lantern, pro for Deadpool. Like, he, holy crap, I could, he was Wade Wilson. It's like Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. Like, he is Wade Wilson. Uh, That was incredible acting choice. uh, Or, yeah, choice for actor on that. I'm trying to remember what and what role was it he played in X Men again? I completely brand. He was right Wade now. Wilson in X Men Origins Wolverine, mm-hmm. um, and he actually did a really good Wade Wilson until that abomination of what they called Deadpool. It wasn't even him; it was like a yeah. stunt double. Yeah. Um, Baraka, mouthless. Yeah, yeah. Like that, yeah. Cyclop Baraka. Uh, he also was in Blade Trinity. Mm-hmm. As, That's right. Uh, yeah. uh, crap! What's his name? King? No. I don't remember his name in that one. But anyway, he was in Blade Trinity and he was in eh, whatever in Blade Trinity. But He was in Deadpool. another superhero movie too where it was just like some random superhero that he played. Paper was Man. Made up. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, I'm a big Ryan Reynolds fan. He does a lot of good stuff. But Yeah, but but to me when he was, uh, you know, especially like, you know, Green Lantern, I still think of, you know, Van Wilder. <laughs> I do yeah, too. I yeah. think of Van Wilder. I can see that. I can see that. Um, what about how do you guys feel about Paul Rudd as Ant Man? I liked Paul great Rudd Ant Man. Yes. That was a great choice. When they first announced Paul Rudd as Ant Man, I went, "What the hell are they thinking?" And then when I found out that they weren't doing Hank Pym, it was going to be Scott Lang. I was like, "Okay, this will be a little bit more interesting." Because as we all know, Hank Pym's kind of a jerk. Um, so when they went with the older Hank Pym and Michael Douglas as Hank Pym, how did you feel about that? Could you did you keep seeing Michael Douglas, or did you see? Ooh, this is asshole Hank Pym. I, no, I saw Michael Douglas. Yeah, really? Michael see, Douglas. I saw yeah, Hank I, Pym. I could get lost. I think he did a good job. I couldn't job. get behind it. I don't know what it was, but it. Was, I think it was his face. Okay, you see Hank Pym in comics, and even though he's an older character, he still has a youthful look to him. And I didn't think that Michael Douglas had that youthful look to him. No, well, he's, he's got Michael Douglas's. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I mean, as as you guys may remember now, you know, Kirk Douglas is my favorite all time actor. His Michael Douglas is probably like my second. I mean, I, I've I know him. I've seen him in so many different things. When I see him in Ant Man, to me, it's just like, no, this just this doesn't work. <laughs> okay, so Michael Douglas for you guys was a con, but yeah. Paul Rudd as Scott was a Lang, pro. As was Scott pro. Lang, yes, yeah. I was impressed. I was, and then when you guys see him in Captain America: Civil War. I was so laughing ridiculous, so dude. Oh my yeah, god. It was it was epic. He turned very, into very giant epic. man and then he just started wrecking it and everyone's like, Oh my god. <laughs> Ooh, okay, so going back to Captain America, pro here, up and comer. I think they're doing good. Marvel does good with bringing up and comers in because Chris Hemsworth was not very yeah. well known before Thor. Chris Evans was starting to come up, but not super well known until Captain America. Uh, mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson, I think, was kind of well known for who she was. But but uh, uh, T'Challa, Chadwick Boseman, how do you guys feel about... I thought about... he did a good job on oh, it. Oh, he was epic. He was a pro. Was that a pro. Oh, that is a huge pro. I think they did a fantastic mm-hmm. job. Um, 
okay. Are other okay? I have a pro for Civil War. Okay, I mean not a pro. I I have Ooh, a con. You've got, for you have a Civil con War. for Civil War. I, I don't a con know. Con for Civil War. I can't think of any. Scarlet Witch. No, I thought no. she did a good job. Yeah, she I did. I don't know. I don't know what it is, now, but I can't go see back, her as Scarlet Witch. Now, I don't if, know. I just don't see Scarlet Witch. I can see Scarlet Witch with her. If you want to go back to Avengers Age of Ultron, Khan in that one would have been Quicksilver. Yeah, which Quicksilver's sucks, pretty bland. Which in sucks because I love I love Kickass, but the guy that is Quicksilver, I was not a fan of him as Quicksilver. Um, however, Quicksilver in the X Men movies. He steals the show in every scene he's in. Uh, it's a pretty spot-on 90s. Uh, well, I don't like the is, costume. I was going to say, I his age I in it is weird. Um, in the X, I would say in X-Men Apocalypse, he acts like 90s Quicksilver, who was in his tw- like mid-20s, I would say. Okay? Yeah. Um, but in the movies, portrayed as young Quicksilver, who was not as goofy. Like nineteen or twenty. He's still not as goofy. Yeah. But oh, here's one for you. Okay. Oh my gosh, Hugo Weaving. Oh, V for Vendetta or Red Skull. Red Skull. I'm telling you, I he did a great. I loved it. I but, thought he was really good as Red Skull and V for Vendetta I, both. I, but I keep, I kept seeing. Um, uh, what Mr. Do you call Anderson. It? Or, yes, uh, yeah, Mr. Mr. Smith. Smith. <laughs> yes, I just did. To me, he was he was he's typecast now. I can't yeah. see him in anything with him. Mr. Uh, Anderson, but he yeah. still played a great uh, Red Skull, no question. Rusty, do you have any idea of what movie we're talking about when we talk about Matrix? Okay, just making sure. There yeah. you go. Okay. <laughs> All right, now I'm going to throw one out there for you that I just have to bring up. <clears throat> you know, you have Henry Cavill and you have Brandon Roth. To me, they don't. I nothing will ever. Compared to Christopher Reeve, I see Superman. I see Christopher Reeve. Nobody could ever, I think, take his place with maybe, possibly the exception of Tom Welling. Okay, so I'm with you for the most part. Um, I think Brandon Routh and Henry Cavill they have the look, but I don't think they have the acting chops to play. No. If that makes any sense? Yeah, it doesn't give you that 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 tingle of excitement no, that they have the look did. they have the look though the look is mm-hmm. down pat i'll give them that they look just especially henry cavill in that new series i mean he looked phenomenal uh but yeah the acting wise wasn't really mm-hmm. all there um but tom welling i'm with you on that because a lot of people bash it and hate me for what you will but smallville i watched every single episode all Same 10 here. seasons i was mm-hmm. a big fan of the show um, and you waited 10 years for him to put on that dang suit. Yeah. And, when, and I'm telling you, when you did, you had that chill of electricity running through I did. you. You are correct. And okay, well, it's like Grant Gustin with The Flash. You just grow and love that character. Like, you can't... So, yeah, I can see Tom Welling as that. I'm, I'm with you on Tom Welling. Well, would you, what do y'all think about, then, in a reverse situation for Lex Luthor? Okay, so Michael oh, Rosenbaum oh, as Lex Luthor oh. is the epitome of Lex Luthor. Michael yes. Rosenbaum is the greatest Lex Luthor that has ever walked ever. the face of this ever. earth. Okay, ever. I, I mean, loved Rosenbaum as Lex Luthor. I mean, he um, put Gene Hackman to shame. 
yeah. he, he was you just put Kevin perfect. Spacey to shame, and Kevin Spacey is like one of my all-time favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Michael Rosenbaum, phenomenal Lex Luthor. Uh, <laughs> I can't. I'm having a brain fart on the guy's name now. Um, I keep thinking uh, Mark Zuckerberg. Um, what the heck is the actor's name? Rosenberg Rosenbaum. No, 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 no. For Smallville. No, no, no. Uh, the new one for B- uh, Batman versus Superman. Um, oh, um, the guy that looks like Michael Sarah. Yeah, what is his name? I'm ha- I'm having a brain fart. Uh, 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 I should know he this. He beat out Brian he's a, he's a, Jesse Jesse Eisenberg. Yes, thank Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg. He's a go. really good actor. I like Jesse Eisenberg and like now you see me and like all the you know the the mm-hmm. social network. I love him in all of those movies. He's a great actor, so I'm not knocking his acting by any means. But I did, and I know he's not Lex Luthor. He's Lex Luthor Jr. There's a different personality, a different take. I understand that. I still did not like his approach Mm-mm. to the character. Now, how much of that is him, and how much of that was Zack Snyder's direction, I do not know. Uh, but I was not a fan of his approach to the character of Lex Luthor Jr., mm-hmm. I guess. Um, no. So, yeah, I gotta because, say, that's a big con for me. Yeah, because if you look at Rosenbaum, he, he, he just... He nailed it perfectly in every single aspect. Yes. Of it. Oh my god. And, he did. and and like Batman vs Superman. I'm going to go back to Lawrence Fishburne. He's no, 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 not for Perry White. And I'm going to go to Smallville again. Michael uh, Keaton. Uh, Michael. Um, uh, oh god, who played Perry White in Smallville? Michael. Um, I don't remember that actor's name. I mean. Uh, yeah, Michael Michael McKean. Michael McKean. You guys watch Laverne and Shirley? Long time ago. You remember Lenny yeah, and Squiggy? I was about to say. Remember Lenny and Squiggy? Mm-hmm. Okay, Lenny Michael McKean played uh, Perry White in the show, and he did a spot on perfect job of it you could ever possibly even imagine. And to me, after seeing him do that, it's like, no, this is a man who should always be played Perry White. Okay, since you are a big Smallville fan, speaking of Smallville, mm-hmm. Aaron Ashmore played Jimmy Olsen, mm-hmm. um, but he also played Iceman in the yeah. X-Men movies. Did you... I could see him as Iceman. Like, I didn't have an issue converting over and letting him play both characters, but how did you feel about him going from Jimmy Olsen to Iceman? I didn't like it. You didn't it like a, it? The con. Yeah, I, I guess I could see people's side to that. I mean, I I enjoyed it either way, but I can, I can definitely see how it would go either way with people. Yeah. I'm trying to find it now. Um, what we're talking about, because we're talking about Michael McKean playing Perry White. And so for those of you that aren't, you know, too familiar with him or not, but like I say, he played Perry White on Smallville, uh, Laverne Shirley, big, so many great things on Voyager. Uh, he did tweet four guys in a comic, telling us that his favorite superhero um, hap- um, comic was the wedding of Sue and Reed Richards in Fantastic Four, and his favorite stuff to read has always been Uncle Scrooge. Huh? Yes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uncle Scrooge of all things. Yes. So. Right on. Yeah. All right. Well, folks. 
There you have it, another edition of Pros and Cons. And here's what I would like for you all to do. If you have a pro and con that you want to discuss, tweet us, email us, find us on Facebook, all right? If you have something that you'd like us to discuss, let us hear it, all right? We are more than happy to uh, discuss whatever it is that you guys want to hear. You're our listeners. Bring it up. Let's discuss it. So until then, Pros and Cons, we'll see you all next month. Cool. Well, guys, it looks like we've got some mail to check. This is Nova, and of course, it's that wonderful time where we talk about questions that folks have had for uh, the four guys. You know, involving the industry, involving comic books, involving our personal likes or dislikes. So, this week we've got two questions, uh, sort of one big one and a follow-up one. From our good friend, Mr. Toe Cutter. So the question is, original pages. Do artists get all of their completed work uh, and copies, you know, once they're done, once everything's printed? Um, and this is sort of also a little fun fact segment because they do. Of course, they get their stuff back. Uh, that wasn't always the case, though. What's interesting was Neil Adams actually tells a really great story where, uh, thanks to him, actually, they get their artwork back. So he came into the DC offices one day and he saw one of the, I don't know who it was, somebody was cutting up original artwork, like they were cutting them up into small pieces and throwing them away. Uh, And he said, you know, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? I mean, this is artwork. And the guy just told him, you know, it's done. Like the stuff's printed, it's garbage. No one needs this anymore. Uh, So Neil got pretty mad and he told the guy, you know, he basically threatened him and said, if you cut any more... Uh, I will literally take you outside and beat you. Uh, And he wound up going to the editor-in-chief at that time. I don't exactly remember who it was, um, but he basically told him, you know, why why is this happening? Why is somebody out there cutting up original artwork that these artists made for these books? And he basically got the same answer back. And this sort of started off Neil's uh, fight for original artwork. Uh, He was part of, um, I think, a comic panel Uh, group back then something like that but basically what he did is um he worked to make sure that artists got their original artwork back their original pages which are a huge part of comic cons now and just in general people love original artwork because like it says in the name it's original they're original pages this is what the artist submitted to the inker um to the company after it's inked and it's a big deal because this is you know one of a kind pieces here uh, pieces that have been reprinted multiple times and may have sold out issues and uh, they may be panels that people hold dear dear, dear to their hearts so uh, it was a really important movement by uh, Neil Adams among many that he did I mean Neil Adams is a guy who behind the scenes did a ton a ton of work to help out creators and artists getting names on books thanks to him Joe, Su- Joe Schuster and Jerry Siegel got their names on Superman books and they're you know, they were credited as the creators of Superman and stuff like that. You know, Neil Adams is a huge influence in that regard, but hopefully that answers the question. And the follow-up is, what is the split between writer, penciler, and inker? Uh, now, I didn't know much about this offhand. I always assumed that, you know, especially now in this digital age where um, I guess most pencilers either work digitally right away or they do something, they have an original print, scan it, uh, and then the inker either prints it, does their inking on there, does it digitally. Most likely, I'm assuming. I assumed uh, pencilers kept most of their own uh, inf- their, most of their own artwork. 
Uh, and then inkers, I guess, got to keep whatever they inked, right? Um, but I wasn't sure, so I got onto Twitter, and thanks to our wonderful, completely generous, uh, you know, celebrities that we've worked with, I guess, um, I was able to get, I was able to get some answers. So I asked Derek Robertson; he was unavailable, did not answer. But uh, I then turned to Steve Lieber, who we talked to last week on the podcast, and he basically said writers get none; they get no pages. Uh, and again, this is, I'll tell you guys exactly what he said. He said he hasn't worked with an inker since 2002, but back then, unless the art team specified something different, it was two thirds to penciler, one third to inker. Split typically was handled by the assistant editor. Didn't know that. Really cool. And he said, now, since there's no need to mail physical pages to the office, personalized arrangements are more common, which is also something I figured because like I said, Penciler may be scanning their work, Inker may be printing it, digital stuff going on. But uh, thank you, Steve, very much. If you don't know if you're listening, but if you are, thank you very much for the answer. Uh, it was very helpful. It was really interesting. So um, I, I wonder how that worked out. And I wonder, you know, how, how we differed maybe from company to company, depending who your editor was, stuff like that. Uh, I guess that's something we'll have to um, ask some more pencilers in the future. But uh, that's all I've got for today. Sorry, guys, real short, but. I think it's a really interesting question, and I think it's something that uh, we all need to know. And as a little spinoff, if you know, if you ever want to find out about what happened behind the scenes throughout history with comic books, um, Neil Adams is a great guy to listen to. He's on a few Fat Man on Batman podcasts where he talks about some of the things, some of the things he did for the industry, um, and just in general. I think there's a lot of stuff you can find online with him where he talks about stuff like original pages, credits in comic books. Uh, race in comic books, stuff like that. All right, thanks, guys. Here we are, folks. It's that time again for Red's weekly releases, bringing you the comic book releases for June 6. No, make that July 6, 2016. Why don't we go ahead and start with DC Comics. First up, we have Action Comics number 957, second printing variant. We have Adventures of Supergirls number 5, Aquaman number 2 with an alternate cover. We have Aquaman Rebirth number 1, second printing. We're going to have Batman number 2 with two variant covers. We're going to be seeing Batman 66 meets Steed and Miss Peel number 1, 1 of 6 with an alternate cover for it. We're going to have Batman Beyond number 14. We'll be seeing Bloodlines number 4. It's part 4 of 6. We get Detective Comics number 354, second printing. We'll have Flash Rebirth, second printing. Flintstones number 1 with 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 variant covers. We'll also be getting Future Quest number 2 with a variant cover. Green Arrow number 2 with a variant cover. Followed by Green Lanterns number 2 with a variant cover. We'll also have Injustice Gods Among Us year 5 number 13. Just as they rebirth number 1 with a variant cover. Sheriff of Babylon number 8, part 8 of 12. We'll have Superman number 2 with a variant cover, as well as Superman the Coming of Superman number 6, this is part 6 of 6. And we'll have Unfollow number 9. And to wrap it up, Wonder Woman Rebirth number 1 at a second printing variant cover. Next up, we have from Marvel Comics Amazing Spider Man number 15 with a variant cover. We'll have Captain America Sam Wilson number 11. We'll have Captain America Steve Rogers, second printing variant cover with two variants for that. Civil War 2, Kingpin number 1 with 
three variant covers. We'll have Civil War X-Men number two with a variant cover. Daredevil Punisher number three, part three of four. We'll also be getting Deadpool vs. Gambit number two with a variant cover. Empress number four with two variant covers. We'll also have Invincible Iron Man number 11 with a variant cover. Marvel Universe Avengers Ultron Revolution number one, part one of four. Marvel's Doctor Strange Prelude number one, part one of two. Moonlight number four. Punisher number two, second premium variant, and Punisher number three with a variant. You'll have Scarlet Witch number eight. You'll also be getting Silver Surfer number five, Spider-Man 2099 number 12, Spider-Woman number nine, Spidey number eight, Star Wars Han Solo number two with three variant covers, Star Wars Poe Dameron number four with a variant cover, Totally Awesome Hulk number eight, True Believer Extraordinary X-Men, The Burning Man, number one, plus True Believer's Invincible Iron Man, The War Machines, number one. To wrap it up, we get Vote Loki, number two, with a variant cover being offered as well. Now let's switch on over to Image Comics, where we'll find Three Floyds, Alpha Kings, number two, Black Science, number 22, Disciple, number five, Faster Than Light, number eight, The Fix, number one, fourth printing, The Fix, number two, third printing, The Fix, number three, second printing, and finally The Fix, number four, which I can't wait for. We'll have Fault Fuse, number 19, Midnight of the Souls, number 2, Nailbiter, number 23, Paper Girls, number 6, second premium variant, Paper Girls, number 7, which is another issue I can't wait to read. We'll have Renetta Jones, the 1%, number 1, third printing, Renetta Jones, the 1%, number 2, second printing, and Renetta Jones, 1%, issue number 3. You'll get Revival, number 41. You'll have Spawn, number 264, with a variant. Spread number 14. Oh, another good one. Stray Bolt, Sunshine and Roses, issue number 16. Switch number 4. Symmetry number 5. Yes, finally. Symmetry number 5 with a variant cover coming out. Looking forward to that one as well. And Tokyo Ghost number 8 with a variant cover. And finally, we have The Walking Dead number 156. All right, y'all. That's going to wrap up the weekly releases for next Wednesday. In brightest day and blackest night, the four guys keep shining bright. Thanks for joining us. You can shine along with us by subscribing to the podcast on Google Play, iTunes, or Podbean. Drop us a line and tell us what you'd like to hear next by connecting on Facebook, keyword four guys in a comic, or tweet us some love at the number four guys in a comic. Till next time.